with the all-new, commercial-free Crusade Channel success has made it difficult to describe the surviving talk radio mafia. So we asked you, our local audience, for some ideas. There's a word for what you are, and that word is, uh... uh now, let's see, uh... Dork? No, wait, that's not right. Not a dork. Um, a goofball? Closer, but no, no, no. A ding-a-ling. Wing-nut. A knucklehead mixpersitron. Okay, that's enough. Wow, you guys are so good. You don't even have to act. Oh, crusadery. I want to party with you, cowboy. The world's coolest talk radio listeners hang out at the world's only 24-7 commercial-free talk radio channel. Crusade. how you talk about this Donald Trump and the porn star thing. You don't want to start sounding like Bill Clinton defenders. I've not had sexual relations with that woman. It is tawdry. And what does it matter? It happened 10 years ago. Anyways, Mike Churchill here on the Crusade Channel asking questions today. What in the wide, wide world of sports is going on here? Okay, so we squeezed that one in under the radar. Telephone number if you'd like to be on the program, same as it ever was, 844-527-8723, 844-5-CRUSADE. Email me directly. My email address is the same as it ever was, kingdude, K-I-N-G-D-U-D-E, at MikeChurch.com. Official website for all things moise online at mikechurch.com. You find today's pile of prep freshly minted. There's a brand new Veritas at Sapientia up there for your uh, reading enjoyment. And we've got uh, Founding Fathers Red Pill clips from yesterday's show, diary clips, video from yesterday's show. 
and much more. Welcoming those of you who may be listening for the first time on the or for, for the first time in a long time on the preview stream. You can always uh, upgrade to full-fledged membership and take advantage of all those uh, nifty digital downloads and uh, never-ending access to those and our features like the Piercing Truth and the Deliver Us From Evil tapes available on demand today at crusadechannel.com. Uh, okay, let's get this started here. I, uh, I'm going to bounce around here on a subject or two um, and then come back and see if... <laughs> Come back and see which one sticks, if you will. Well, first of all, let me send some thanks out to those of you who have uh, so eagerly and phenomenally responded to the um, 2018 Hogs for the Cause fundraising efforts and who have been so generous already. Uh, Mrs. O'Connell, do you have my list for me? Oh, I, uh, Chris Stitzlin? Stitzlin? John Whitney, stop yelling. I'm just asking a simple question. I don't see it. Uh, okay, all right. Oh, it's in the chat room. I'm not in the chat room. Uh, just because it's my chat room doesn't mean I have to show up every day. I will go into the, the chat room. Um, as soon as I can get my uh, my browser to work here. Uh, you can make a there's there's a couple of items left on the wish list if you wish to uh, knock one of those out for us as we get ready for our competition. Remember, uh, this is all performed for families that have children suffering pediatric brain cancers. I just wanted to, to reiterate the point. No one is making coin off of this. There, there's there's no exchange of currency here, um, and it, it is uh, done. Purely out of a, I'm going to have to turn my volume up because I cannot hear myself today. It is done purely out of a desire to perform public works charity. Now, note I said public. I know we're supposed to perform these things privately, but there's no admonition that you shouldn't do them publicly as well. And... In doing them uh, 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 publicly and then stating the reasons, which is to sanctify the temporal sphere and to do those things that we are commanded to do um, and do them in a, in, a, in a public fashion, again, it's to encourage others uh, you, you, to, to, to try and become part of these things, even if you're not totally down with the cause, if you will. So, uh, so many people have been so generous over the years. Again, $125,000 has been raised. And I can tell you that uh, if, if you did the math, 93% of that goes to grants, uh, 7% to overhead for hogs. So do the math. That's about, what, $110,000, $115,000 has gone into families or, or gone to fam families that have children who are suffering pediatric brain cancers. I've been to children's hospitals. Uh, you can see the photographs on the Barbacoa Brotherhood site. And I, I've met with the children. I've met with the families. Uh, not, nothing could be more inspiring than to see a child 
dealing with this disease that brings the adults to their knees, but the children don't seem to be aware of it. <laughs> the children are undergoing treatment. You wouldn't even know they were undergoing treatment. Other than the fact that sometimes their heads are all bandaged up and what have you. So uh, it's a wonderful charity. It is a, uh, mm, a great uh, cause. Again, over $900,000 last year was granted out to families across the United States. So it's not just for the New Orleans area. So uh, that money is spent elsewhere. Anyways, there is a long list of people that I need to thank. And that list grows. You can add your name to it. Okay, you can add your name to it by going to barbacoabrotherhood.com. That's B-A-R-B-A-R-B-A-C-O-A brotherhood.com. And you can join us as an associate member. There's five different levels. You can pick up Barbacoa Brotherhood swag like I've got my lapel pen on today. Some guy... Gentleman made a donation yesterday at the fellowship level, and he said, look, Hey, Lama, the only thing I want out of this is the lapel pin. You can keep the rest. The ever-popular Barbacoa Brotherhood lapel pin, of which, if you're watching on YouTube, I am wearing today. Okay. So, <clears throat> there's a story. I got two lead stories here. Well, I actually got three. First of all, and we talk about this uh, often here on this show. I try to squeeze these things in. How many of you have heard the, of this site, musical.ly? Now, what is the L-Y distinction? What is that? I... I I'm not familiar with the L-Y. I, 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 this is the only site that I've ever seen that has the dot L-Y. Uh, anyways, there's the headline. Uh, a friend sent me this story. He goes, have you seen this? And I said, no, I haven't seen this. Porn is not the worst thing on musical dot L-Y. So if you have tykes and tykettes out there, Teenagers especially, young teenagers. Maybe you need to be aware of this. The woman that writes the story writes this. And there's a screenshot of, I guess it's a teenage girl who has photographed her. It's a selfie photograph. And uh, she is holding her smartphone in one hand, standing in front of a full-length mirror, and is naked from the chest down. This was posted on a musical site. Now, folks, I might offer that this is what happens when no attempt is made to sanctify the temporal sphere. My daughter is 10, she wants me to get musical.ly on my phone so she can make funny lip sync videos. Everyone has it, she whines. Even the kid whose mom is an FBI agent, social worker, pediatrician, none has it. Well, well, in that case, 
So this woman downloaded the app while the kid was at school. But it won't let me explore without an account. I create a profile, and she gives the profile name, only to delete that and opt for something less momish. Gummy Bear 9. One word sums up my experience. No way is my kid getting this app. All one word. You could join the chat room at MikeChurch.com, which I am now inside of, if you'd like to. And people are in the room, listeners, uh, that are listening to the program and exchanging. Mitch O'Connell is posting all the links to everything that I'm talking about in the chat room. If they're not in the pile of prep, they'll be in the chat room. And then in the awesome rundown at the end of the day when we post the show up. Musical.ly looks innocent, just kids making music videos. And it is that, but so, uh, but more so, it's this. User-uploaded content by millions of people who can also live stream, which is how I first encountered porn on Musical.ly. A very helpful naked man live stream, streamed his live stream. If you know what I mean. Kids are going to see it eventually, right? Might as well let them see it now, they say, right? Might as well get them drunk while we're at it too, right? Oh, don't forget a high. Can't keep them bubble wrapped up forever, uh, forever, you know, eight-year-olds and all. Eight-year-olds, dude. They've been diaper-free for five years after all. Why not some porn? Friends who worry I'm overreacting suggest I make the account private to keep pedophiles at bay. But pedophiles are not my main concern. Here's why. Pretend you can turn your kid invisible. Pretend you drop your invisible kid off at a warehouse in downtown L.A. You have no idea who's inside. Fingers crossed it's packed with Nobel Peace Prize winners, board-certified pediatricians, and J.K. Rowling. Pray it is not packed with the worst of humanity. No one can see your kid, but your kid can see everyone and hear everything. Would you do it? Of course you wouldn't. Most parents are careful about who and what their child is exposed to. Setting your child's account to private may make him invisible, but he's still there, fully present, taking it all in. She's got some jokes in here. Excuse me, where can I find a vampire copulating with a cartoon bear? Oh, aisle nine, section B, left side of infinite content. Thank you. No problem. My name is Social Media. Feel free to browse the personal photos, videos, and mouth diarrhea. I mean comments of my two billion users. Social Media is the Costco of human imagination. Remember that song from Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory? Come with me and you'll be in a world of pure imagination. Remember that? Remember? Remember? Sounds lovely until you consider whose imagination your kid is stepping into. Ah, but my child can't Google naked people or watch violent videos on Yubu because I've enabled parental controls, you say. Okay. 
Good for you. Unfortunately, parental controls couldn't keep 12-year-old Gabby Green from killing herself after being cyberbullied by kids on several social media platforms and messaging apps. There are no parental controls for Snapchat, Instagram, Musical.ly, Facebook, Kick. How do we wait? What is Kick? K-I-K. I've never even heard of this. Or messaging apps like Marco Polo. There's actually an app called Marco Polo. Did not know that. Uh, or Yellow or Say at dot me or Monkey. And the list goes on and on and on. And no, you can't always review what your kid says uh, because most of it can be deleted or deletes itself directly after transmission. Here's a question. Do you want my kid to have access to your kid 24 hours a day, seven days a week? How many of you are old enough to remember? Remember remember back in the day? When we only had one phone in our house. Me, oh, miniature, pick me, miniature, I, me, me. I only had one phone in the house that I grew up in. There wasn't a phone in every room. There wasn't, I don't, I don't, I don't think the cordless had been invented yet. Maybe it had, but we didn't have one. <clears throat> How often did you get to use the phone? I think this is a fair question. How often did you get to use the phone in your house? Now, I got to use it maybe once per day. I had to ask permission. Ma'am, can I have a bag of cheesy puss and can I use the phone? Seriously, you had to ask permission, can I use the phone? Uh, yeah, you got 10 minutes. It's almost like you're in prison, right? <laughs> hey, church, you got a visitor. Sit you down, you got 10 minutes, bub. So you can use the phone. Uh, you could use the phone, but your mom and dad would always limit the amount of time that you could spend using the phone. Why? And what were they really doing? They were limiting your contact with your friends. How many of you remember sleepovers? Oh, miniature, miniature, pick me! Okay. Did you have a sleepover every night? Or was the sleepover something that was a huge treat? Like, you'd ask on a Friday night, or, you know, maybe on Wednesday, Hi, uh, hey, Mom, ma'am, Kai invited me to come sleep over his house with Stan. I mean, South Park's is a good example of, any, of anything. You'd have to ask permission, right? And then if permission were granted... Then you would make plans, and it'd be a big hoop-de-doo. Oh, boy, this is going to be great. I get to spend the night at Richard Thompson's house. 
And, you know, you'd make big plans, maybe uh, sometime in the spring and the summer, we'd uh, bivouac tent out in the backyard of whoever's house. <clears throat> or if they had a pool or one of the kids had a pool, you know, you get to go over and have a little bit of a pool party. It was a big hoop. It was a big deal. Didn't happen every night. There was no sleepover every night. Uh, how many of you are old enough to remember when you actually have to ask? Ma'am, can I get down the street and play with Kai? You'd have to ask if you could go down to Kyle's house. Well, Kyle invited me over. We're going to play stickball or whatever. Can I go? And you'd respond. Your mother would say, yeah, or your dad would say, nay, or whatever the case may be. Well, no, I don't want you playing with that kid. I don't like that kid. Uh, they can exercise this thing that used to be called discretion. Remember that? Remember? Remember? Discretion? So I say all this as reminder, maybe, and then as prelude to what was going on there. Well, there was a parental involvement. It was direct. It was not indirect. It was direct. It was, dare I say, uh, it was uh, it was charitable. It was filled with love. I mean, they did it for a reason. It was uh, consistent. Most parents' uh, use of disciplinary measures like this was consistent. And it was all done for what? What ultimately, what's the purpose of all this? Well, the purpose of all this is children are not in charge. Children need to be raised. They need to be taught. They need to be told what to do. And they need to have adults supervising their activities, especially the activities that might find them in Moral trouble or, 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 or confronting a moral dilemma. And it was also to teach them certain things, behavior, decorum, politeness. Well, now, I, well, why can't I go down there? Because you were down there yesterday. Well, so what? Well, you know, you may not re- realize this, but Miss Kansas, Miss Kansas does not like all the kids hanging out at her house. <laughs> Miss... <laughs> Miss Maggie does not want all those brats in her house all the time. Yeah, but she said okay. She said okay because she was being polite. She doesn't like you. She doesn't like any of those. As a matter of fact, she can't stand you. That's why her and Mr. Johnny hang out and smoke cigarettes and drink beer all weekend long. They're hoping the cigarettes keep you away. I'm kidding. These are all things that happen, though, right? Now, if social media is social, what is it that you're doing when you socialize with the kid down the street? I mean, what what are you doing with the kid down the street? You're socializing. So what is social media? You're socializing. I think the woman's got a point. Do you want your kids? Does anyone want their kids? Look, I don't want to be hanging out with most of you 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I don't even want to hang out with myself 24 hours a day, seven days a week. 
So, how can one regulate content, social, what's called social media, with children? Especially if they have a smartphone. Because, you know, uh, even if you lock the smartphone up, these kids are smart. They find ways around it. There's no parental passcodes needed to download Tinder, to download, uh, what's the other one, uh, Tinder and Tumblr and all the rest of them. They're, 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 there's no passcode needed. I can go download it right now on my phone if I want. It's not going to ask me. It, it might ask me for my uh, iTunes username and password to log into the App Store, but that'll be the extent of it. It's not going to make me che- make a checkbox and say, hey, uh, hey, Lama, you know. I want to download this file, but it says I'm not old enough. This is a dangerous world. Now, now remember, one of the recurring themes here on the Mike Churchill on the Crusade Channel is the demons are ascended. They've come for the children, and they're not taking no for an answer. Now, that's not a slogan. That's reality. That's a fact. I'm in charge of youth, and all the, all the social media programs are, are demonic. They got demons in them, yes. So when she asks the question, do you want my kid to have access to your kid 24 hours a day, seven days a week? She's probably expecting you're going to say no. And then good, because I don't want your kid having that kind of access to my kid either. Clearly, we need to be careful who we give power to. But back to musical.ly. Porn is not the worst thing on musical.ly. The worst thing is watching little kids as young as eight sexually objectify themselves. The kids who get it right, the tweeny Kardashians, gain followers. The kids who get it wrong, those not sexy enough, funny enough, pop culture enough, are op- openly ridiculed in the comment section. Worse, their cringeworthy lip sync may be immortalized in musical.ly cringe compilation videos on YouTube. Some of these cringe compilations have upwards of 5 million views. My heart hurts not only for the exploited children, but for all kids who scroll musical.ly or uboob and see this kind of ugly play out. You know, uh, if you were going to design a wonder world in which children could be corrupted at an early age, and could be corrupted into demonic, diabolical activity, social media would be what you would create. It's another one of these instances where, are you saying it's inconvenient? What I'm saying is, is that just like anything else, it can be corrupted and made evil. It can be used for evil. And since there's not enough people out there, that are raising children as uh, future St. Therese's of Lisieux or future St. Anthony of Padua's, yeah, it's dangerous out there. And there's not enough, there's not nearly enough protection. Anybody that hands a smartphone to a nine-year-old is just begging for it. 844-527-8723 is our telephone number. It's Mike Church Show here on the Crusade Channel. King Size Truth from Radio Size Speakers. You can join our chat room, especially if you're a new listener. Why are you spending all your time staring at that Facebook feed that you're on? (laughs) 
why don't you go to mikechurch.com and click on Mike Church Show Live, chat at the top of the page, and actually chat with real human beings who are actually listening to a real live radio program. Do you remember, remember when you used to listen to real live radio programs? Do you remember? I remember. So you can do so right now on our site at mikechurch.com. Click Mike Church Show Live Chat. Go in there, and then you should go in there and tell uh, tell uh, say, say hi to everybody. I should say hi, everybody? Yes. Yeah. Hi, everybody. And then the woman that wrote this story goes, it gets worse. As if it could be worse. I'm reading this going, like, how can it be any worse? We're at the gates of hell. We're at the gates of hell. Of hell. There's code language that gets past musical.ly's filters, you see. Oh, code language. Hmm, how clever and crafty of the kids. Some kids hashtag their videos with words like T H O T, thought which stands for that hoe over there. Oh, but don't worry. Don't worry. Nothing to see here, citizen. Move along. Or F girl. I wonder what that stands for. Hottie, S-X-Y, Hooty, or S-I-N, Sin. But good luck keeping up. The code changes week to week, and there are lyrics. Stop reading now if you're easy to pull, uh, e- easily put off. There are kids mouthing words about rough sex. I saw a boy around the age of 9, maybe 10, create a username that was so sexually graphic I had a hard time processing what I was seeing. A little boy, not a teenager, a little boy. And much worse, she says. There are hashtag killing stalking musical.ly's, which are dark themed videos showing boys putting knives to girls' throats. There are hashtag self harm videos that show suicide options, bathtubs filling, images of blades. A child's voice saying she doesn't want to live anymore. I saw a boy with a bleeding chest. Yes, real blood. I saw a young girl whose thighs were cut up. We were so cut up I had to take a break from writing this article. A long break. The images are deeply upsetting. There are hashtag cutter, C-U-T-T-E-R, and hashtag trigger warning and hashtag anorexic videos. Musers with eating disorders, hashtag videos using pro-ana, that's code for pro-anorexia. I found over 11,000 hashtag self-hate videos. It goes on and on and on. Each hashtag is its own magical wardrobe, a portal into a world where it's always winter but never Christmas. 
It's Narnia minus Aslan. Who then will save the children? Apparently other children. This is just sick, twisted, and sad, folks. Does anyone really consider what it is that they're doing with social and digital internet media anymore? Seriously. Is there anyone that responsibly uses it? Here. The kids that are posting all this stuff about killing themselves and filling bathtubs up and doing this and that and the, uh, this and that and the other, slicing their wrists or slicing their thighs, inserting things into body parts that don't belong there. Where are their parents? Isn't that a fair question to ask? Where are their parents? Well, Probably in the other room on Facebook. Well, I posted on Facebook. What's that? Oh, that's right. And the, and, 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 and the chicks got their bottles of wine. Oh, they got their smartphone going. And you got five digital devices going at once. Picture this. Now, if this is not a, if this is not a social commentary, I don't know what is. Picture this. Average American 34-year-old female. Mother of two and a half children. We don't want to break the bank now. We've got new cars and new houses to buy. 8 p.m. Average evening. What are they doing? They're in some kind of a vestibule, if you will, that is close enough to the room that has the 96-inch television mounted to the wall. In the uh, other room, they're watching Bravo, Housewives of Demon County or whatever. Uh, The volume is down low, but they can hear what's going on. It's just background noise, after all. They're sitting there, and that's on in the other room. In front of them is their brand-new MacBook Pro Elite Air model, of course. And on the MacBook Pro, uh, this is opened up, and uh, they have got a Facebook chat going. They're in a group. Uh, they're, uh, uh, they've got Instagram going. They're in a group chat somewhere else. Uh, add to this that their smartphone is now laying on the desk or the counter right in front of them, and the smartphone also has digital media on it, if not a social media site. Now, somewhere in the cavern of this 3,000-square-foot house that holds four and a half people, there's a husband in another room. What's he doing? Well, he probably has internet porn pulled up, and you could figure out the rest. Somewhere else, there's two children. Two and a half, I'm sorry. What are they doing? Well, they're in their rooms with doors locked. Television's going in the background. Smartphones blaring in front of them. And little MacBooks opened to social media. The entire family is plugged into a world that doesn't exist outside of pixelated digital transmission. It is a world in which there are no filters, 
There are no safeguards. There's no rules. There's no morals. There's no supervisors. And there's very little of the good, the true, and the beautiful. All four members of that house are probably on a one-way ticket straight to Hades. Better church, you can't make that kind of pronunciation. Call it as I see it. Does this sound... Does this sound like a healthy culture in which we are simmering our children? Uh, it's the Mike Church Show here on the Crusade Channel featuring King Size Truth from Radio Size Speakers. <laughs> Richard Barrett of the Barrett Bridge just put a uh, picture in the chat room, a meme that's hysterical. Captioned his first day of school. As a matter of fact, that actually looks like my street. Uh, as a matter of fact, I know the two people that are sitting in those chairs in the street. First day of school, there's a woman in pajama pants and a skimpy tank top. There's a guy in pajama pants and a t-shirt sitting in uh, folding, uh, folding chairs. Or no, one of them is a kitchen chair. And uh, on the side, uh, they're in the street, but they're close to the curb. Uh, each has a mimosa in their hand, and they're toasting one another and high-fiving with the other hand. In the background, three-year-old, four-year-old, five-year-old children are getting on a school bus. First day of school. <laughs> Some people might think that that's, uh, better charts, that's a little over the top, is it? Ms. O'Connor, could you turn the AC on? I had the heater on earlier, and it is, I'm about to turn into that. Oh, I'm about to turn into that little flame from Donkey Kong. <laughs> it chases Mario around. Little kids try to say, the story just gets worse and worse and worse and worse at musical.ly. I didn't even know this world existed, folks. It's, it, <laughs> it just gives New life. Just gives new life to the question that we've been asking and the thing that we've been talking about, about who it is that's running the show these days and why it's so dangerous. Little kids try to save slightly older little kids on musical.ly. And in, uh, the mother who wrote this says, yes, I meant to write that sentence. Their effort might seem beautiful, hopeful even, but it isn't. A child stepping into the darkness of another child is not beautiful. It's wrong. I saw, uh, I saw this comment beneath a hashtag suicide video. Quote, you are beautiful. Please don't kill yourself. I'm only 10, but I will be your friend. Close quote. Kids should be watching witty cartoons, riding bikes, making slime, doing arts, playing Minecraft, learning chess, and boring us with bad magic tricks. They shouldn't be stopping other children from killing themselves, she writes. 
Am I being dramatic? I'll leave that up to you on one condition. Give weeks of your life to those hashtags. Crawl inside the world of the hashtag F girl and hashtag cutting. Stay a while. Remember, content changes so you can't pop on, have, have a look, then ditch it for a Netflix binge. To really understand, you, you need to use musical.ly, any social media, as a kid uses it. The question I most ask, yes, uh, do parents know their child is posting watching such videos? Of course they don't, which is why I said what I said a moment ago. Remember Dylan Klebold? He was one of the Columbine shooters that depressed one. Dylan was kind, funny, and well-liked by his teachers. He came from a good family, close to both parents, especially his dad. His parents had no idea their son was a suicidal, let, al let alone homicidal maniac. When we hear about kids who self-harm or commit acts of violence, we imagine horrible parents. Well, that explains it. Dylan's mom was loving, hands-on, and watchful. She was you. She was me. The kind of mom who put little notes in her kid's lunchbox. The lesson here is not that social media or violent video games lead to suicide and school shootings. The lesson is that we parents don't know our kids nearly as well as we think we do. Well, I would say that you've made two lessons, actually, madam. And the lesson is that, yes, in a world, it's, it's, here, this is a false, what I, would, what I would call a false set of choices. The false set of choices is this. Well, you know, you either have a world that has good social media in it or you have a world, you know, policed social media or you have a world that has bad social media in it that the demons are running. No, it's a false set of choices. You could have a world where there's no social media. You cannot discount the, you, you, you can't count on the inevitability of something. And in this instance, you sh certainly shouldn't count on the inevitability of something. If you'd like to comment on this, I do have a phone. <laughs> it hasn't been used yet this week. No, no, we got one. It's been used once. You could be number two. Not that you're number two. I'll bump you up to number three so you won't have to be number two. How about that? Our telephone number, 844-527-8723. 844-5-CRUSADE. Dylan's mother wrote a book. It's not heartbreaking and eye-opening. I finished it weeks ago, but one passage haunts me. Quote, there was nothing I wouldn't give to have read the pages of Dylan's journal while he was still alive, while we still had the chance to pull him back from the abyss that swallowed him and so many innocent others. By the way, I don't know the religious inclinations of the mother that's writing this and saying that you don't know your kids. But I do know this. This is a outcropping and a and a outgrowth of what is a sinful and sinister cabal, and that is the cult of I the cult of hashtag I am a good person, so I'm going to heaven. You probably know someone that's in the cult of hashtag I am a good person, so I am going to heaven. I have a brother who would hashtag, I am a good person, so I'm going to heaven. How do you know that? 
Are you sure? Uh, have you gone through some theological training that I'm not aware of? Uh, did God come down and manifest himself to you and inform you of this? Or did you make the prideful assertion that because you saw it in a video somewhere and some other guy said, well, hey, I'm as good a person as that guy and he's going to heaven, so everybody goes to heaven. You go to heaven and you go to heaven and you go to heaven and everybody goes to heaven. It's an Oprah heaven. Right? Right. Look at musical.ly screenshot above and read the comment beneath it. Somewhere out there is this girl's mother. She probably thinks her daughter is watching funny lip syncs, not leaning into an abyss. In this case, anorexia beckons, suicide beckoned Dylan. For others, it's a living hell of self-hate. Zero notifications, zero new followers. Oh, no, not that. The absence of love, the kind so readily given to other kids via thousands of followers. Likes and hearts is hard evidence. The world thinks I'm a loser. There are the kids who hashtag their own face with the word ugly. The world, of course, is oblivious, but to kids with an online identity, the rejection feels global. This is just tragic, folks. Good grief. Not all kids slip into darkness, but many come close. Why? Because their brain is vulnerable to impulse. Uh, now, this is a psychological part of this. I'm just, just going to skip this. Uh, all right, let's go. Let's fast forward. I, I like to get to the conclusions in these things. By the way, do you know someone who is in the hashtag, hashtag, I am a good person, so I am going to heaven? This is the principal religion of almost every Moroccan you know. Yes, that includes most Roman Catholics. Hashtag, I am a good person, so I am going to heaven. Now, since I'm not a theologian, I only play one on the radio, and I certainly don't have the, uh, an inside track to whether or not that hashtag is true for anyone that I may come in contact with. However, I do know this. I do know that for some strange reason, God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son into it. I do know that there is this document that uh, uh, came from the apostles. It's called the Apostles' Creed. I do know that there's another one called the Athanasius' Creed. I do know that there's another one called the Creed of Nicaea. And I do know that if I were to read the Creed of Nicaea, um, it does not tell me Hashtag, you are a good person. You read the Creed of Nicaea. You are going to heaven. Now, if I read the Creed of Nicaea and I apply it to my life and I actually believe it and practice every piece of it, maybe then the hashtag is, hashtag, I lived the life of the Gospels as our Lord taught us, and I hope... His judgment is merciful, so I can go to purgatory. Most people think, no, man, she's in the martini bar in heaven. A friend of mine and I were talking the other day about, about this. Now, I think all these things are related, by the way. 
If there is no heaven and if everybody gets to go there, well, then why do you need to marshal and, and, and supervise your children on the Internet? Let them do whatever they want. As long as they're a good person, then, hey, they're going to heaven. He told me, he said, I went to a funeral the other day. Oh, I said, oh, let me guess. Yeah, he goes, he was canonized. I said, <laughs> I said was it an over-the-top canonization? And he said, well, there were four speakers, and all four basically performed a canonization. He, uh, he's at the great, uh, you know, golf. What's that? Can casket canonization for the win. That's correct. Oh, he was such a good person. He's in a better place. I love the he's in a better place. She's in a better place. How do you know that? And, and by the way, what kind of arrogant boob are you to just assume that that is true? And so you don't extend your love for that person because you're assured you're going to see him again in that other place, right? Wouldn't it be charitable just in case? You know, case, let's just assume for a minute, being Americans, we can assume this. Maybe God made a mistake. Maybe St. Peter didn't get the book of life correct. There's a spelling error. Aunt Mamie didn't go direct. Oh, she went to purgatory. Made a church plea. I'm a Protestant. Purgatory doesn't exist. Well, you can protest against it all you want. Good luck with that. It most certainly does exist. Wouldn't you err on the side of someone that you loved with caution and say, well, you know, just, just look, I don't really believe in this whole thing, but just for poops and giggles, I'm going to go ahead and get a purgatorian manual from MikeChurch.com forward slash shop, and I'm going to learn how to do these purgatory prayers for people that pass away. You know what else is in the front of the purgatorian manual? Have you ever, have you ever opened one of those little guys up? Lined pages with a separation for date. Why is that? So you can enter the date of the loved one or the friend the day that they died. Don't Stop saying, oh, well, he passed. No, he didn't pass. He died. Death. It's permanent. He gone. Well, how do they say in the movie um, Pitch Perfect 2, Mrs. O'Connell? He gonged. <laughs> we need to get that as a soundbite. He gonged. He gonged. She gonged. Why would you put the name in the book? So you'll remember it. So you remember death, memento more. It's important. Memento more. It's important. Memento more. It's important. Her conclusion about the musical.ly piece that I have been reading here, porn is not the worst thing on musical.ly. Are you there, Bill Gates? It's me, childhood. Maybe if Bill and Melinda are listening, they'll do something to change the landscape of Marican childhood. Melinda has written about this topic as a worried mother. Maybe she and Bill can offer an incentive. How about this? If a kid stays off all social media, no Snap, no Bill can offer an incentive. Uh, uh, no Snap, no Instagram, no musical.ly, no KIK, and so on. Until they're 16 years old, the Gates Foundation will cut that kid a $1,600 check on their 16th birthday. 
Kid can use the money any way the kid wants. No forced college savings, shopping spree, car down payment, concert tickets, wherever you want. We award kids cash for lesser feats, for winning bowling tournaments, spelling bees, and art contests. What could be more deserving than winning at peer pressure? Hashtag 16416. If you sock away $23 each month, starting when your kid is 10, you'll have $1,600 to hand over for a tough job. Well done. You can do this yourself, is her point. Plus 56 bucks to spend on wine and salted snacks for your middle-aged self. For your middle-aged self. Pretty good deal. Plus, when one of your kid's friends is all, OMG, you're not on Instagram. Your kid can say face to be like, nah, dude, I'm holding out for cash from Uncle Bill and Aunt Melinda. <laughs> Talk about investing in our country's future. Two things you can do right now for your tweenager. One, if your kid has an iPad, disable Safari. Now the iPad is no portal to the global whorehouse of mouth diarrhea. She wrote warehouse, I inserted whorehouse. Uh... <clears throat> Bang, bang, boom. That was easy. Number two, just say no. Once you say yes to social media like musical.ly or Instagram, it's really hard to take it back. Again, uh, folks, why is this? That's because sin is easy. It doesn't take any effort. All one must do is acquiesce to the concupiscence. It's all you got to do. Just give in. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, oh. I'll drink it. I'll touch it. Etc. I'll bleep it. It's easy. You might even get a little, you know, temporal pleasure out of it. That'll be the end of the pleasure part. And then she says, uh, people say that I am a dreamer. Recently, I toured the middle school my daughter will attend in the fall. Our tour guides were two seventh-grade honor students who somehow managed to be super chill and highly sociable at the same time. I sidled up to one, to the one with teen Vogue hair, and asked if most kids at the school have iPhones. Some do, yeah, but I don't, said the, uh, said the kid. I don't need one. They're so distracting. I have too much going on. I ask how she talks with friends when she's not at school. I FaceTime from my laptop or iPad, whichever I'm on, or just text from those. I ask the other guy if she does the same. I have a flip phone. It's dor- a flip phone. It's dorky, she said. She laughs. Her friend laughs. I tell them about the Mickey Mouse phone I had in my room uh, uh, when I was their age and how I would talk for hours until the receiver grew hot against my ear. <laughs> My daughter's fate is sealed. Next fall, she will be one of the dorky kids with a flip phone. Unless there's a Mickey Mouse flip phone available by then. Sincerely yours, the town prude. <laughs> P.S. If you go the flip phone route, your kid can still take loads of pictures of their friends with this cool camera. Some of my favorite books for parents and great reads for nine-year-old kids uh, and up can be found here. And there's more on that, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I, uh, <clears throat> one more part about this that uh, I, I meant to cover earlier when, um, w- w- when, it, when I was talking about the hashtag, I am a good person, and so I am going to heaven. 
cult, and it is a cult. Does anyone ever consider or think about the things that one might do when one is not doing the things that we just talked about? That's one. Here's another one. Does one ever consider the fact that one may have contributed to all this porn happiness? <gasps> Does that one ever consider that maybe you actually contributed to all this porn happiness? And that you actually engendered the porn happiness for your eight-year-old. Eight-year-old, dude. Now, what in Hades am I talking about? And how could that play? Better church, please. Why would anybody do that? You're just making it up. It's just mean. Well, <clears throat> I've told this story now for going on da, 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 six, six, eight, nine. I've told this story now for nine years. March the 8th, 2018 is as good a time as any to uh, tell the uh, story. So why not tell it now? Many of you could probably relate to this, although I would uh, I would think that, m- that many people will take great offense to it and say, that's not, I, I, didn't, I didn't have that. that. You're, Mr. Church, please, you're looking at it all wrong. That's not correct. You're, you're just being, whatever the case may be. I went to a school event, big school uh, theater production, okay? This is nine years ago. That would have been in sixth grade. These were 11-year-olds, dude. Tweens. So it applies. Now, uh... I got to the event early and had plenty of time to hobnob around and talk to other parents that were there and, uh, you know, see what else was going on. Hey, Lama, what's happening? I shall never forget this as long as God allows me to live here on this earth. Since there was a lull in the amount of time before the play started and the amount of time that was uh, allotted, if you will, to the pre-show, which was the principal coming out and you know saying, hey, this is what's going to happen, this and that and the other, uh, the person that was running the sound at the back of the room, you know, the PA and uh, the PA system person, just happened to have I, an iPad. Or an iPod, rather. Remember how quaint those were? I got an iPod. And decided that, with a permission granted from the principal, that now might be a good time to play some music. 
you know, keep the crowd from getting getting all up in arms and what have you. Uh, music chills the beast. I shall never forget this as long as I live. So what was the choice of music? Now, remember, 11-year-olds, dude. This is 11-year-olds. What was played? Well, I'll tell you what was played. Song many of you know. This, this was the first song out the gun. Song many of you know. You've probably danced to it. As a matter of fact, you probably danced to it last weekend. Probably think it's chill and cool and good. Wow, it's classic rock, Mike. Come on. Stop being such a prude. Song was by a band called Bad Company. The song is titled... Feel like making love. Now, maybe uh, old-fashioned, but it would seem to me that there's a pretty clear implication in the title of that song. Feel like making love. Love. Now, now maybe it's just me. Maybe it's just me and my prudishness saying that, well, Mr. Church, please, you, you let your sick, twisted, perverted, porn-idled mind run away with you. If you play that kind of garbage to eight-year-olds, dude, like Ariana Grande and the Wrist Bicycle song, Aren't you setting the stage for the rest of the porn to sound and look normal? You just did. Didn't you? Most Crusade Channel wannabes only get the mission half right. Men, you are about to embark on a great crusade to stamp out runaway decency in the West. So why settle for half-baked radio hacks crusading in mono when you can get the real deal on the Mike Church Show? Now go do that voodoo that you do so well. In stereo. Oh, oh, oh. The Mike Church Show's Great Crusade is on the Veritas Radio Network's Crusade. I do feel, Reg, that any anti-imperialist group like ours must reflect such a divergence of interest within its power base. Agreed, Francis. Yeah, I think Judith's point of view is very valid, Reg, provided the movement never forgets that it is the unalienable right of every man or woman or woman to rid himself or herself or herself. Agreed. Thank you, brother. Or sister. Or sister. Where was I? I think you finished. Oh, right. Furthermore, it is the birthright of every man or woman. Why don't you shut up about women, Stan? You're putting us off. Women have a perfect right to play a part in our movement, Reg. Why are you always on about women, Stan? I want to be one. What? I want to be a woman. From now on, I want you all to call me Loretta. What? It's my right as a man. But why do you want to be Loretta, Stan? I want to have babies. You want to have babies? It's every man's right to have babies if he wants them. But 
You can't have babies. Don't you oppress me. I'm not oppressing you, Stan. You haven't got a womb. Where's the fetus going to gestate? You're going to keep it in a box? Here, I've got an idea. Suppose you agree that he can't actually have babies, not having a womb, which is nobody's fault, not even the Romans, but that he can have the right to have babies. Good idea, Judith. We shall fight the oppressors for your right to have babies, brother. Sister, sorry. What's the point? What? What's the point of fighting for his right to have babies when he can't have babies? It is symbolic of our struggle against oppression. Symbolic of his struggle against reality. Show here on the Crusade Channel on a Thursday. We are live at 844-527-8723. 844-5-Crusade. You can email me directly. My email address is same as it ever was. King Dude, K-I-N-G-D-U-D-E at MikeChurch.com. Official website for all things moise online at mikechurch.com. You'll find today's pile of prep there, freshly minted, a brand new Veritas at Sapientia. Well, actually, it is a reprint of a previous Veritas at Sapientia, but that was from two years ago, and it'll apply to today's news. It's also up there for your reading. You can join us. If you're listening to us on the preview channel, welcome. Uh, why not become a Founders Pass member today and take advantage of all the uh, bells and whistles that you get by becoming a member? For example, access to the YouTube channel. For example, access to the podcast. 24 hours a day, seven days a week, two years worth of podcasts of this show and six others, including the True Money Show, the Reconquest of Brother Andre Marie, Greg Carpenter's Reverse Deception, there's uh, older shows like The Constitution Hour. There's 57 episodes of, uh, of mine and Kevin Gutzman's Constitution Hour. Those are all at your fingertips. Somebody sent me a note on uh, Facebook today saying, I, I Google searched last night <clears throat> your name plus alien friend because I knew you had talked about this subject, uh, about Jeff Sessions and his war with the state of California. And uh, I said, dude, you know, he went, oh, you know, since you're not on the radio, what is this neurosis? <laughs> what is this? I have not missed a single solitary broadcast day. Since November, uh, October the 26th, 2015, the last day of my 13-year-long record-setting tenure uh, on the Sirius XM Patriot channel. Not a day. So, anyways, you could join us. We are independent. We're not major media. Uh, there are corporations out there that we compete with that have tens of billions of dollars of cash and assets. 
And yet here stands the little radio station that could 24 hours a day, seven days a week with all original content. Do you know, can I, can I, can I toot a horn? Mid or a minute, listener, can I toot a horn for a minute? Okay, just tooted a horn. Seriously, can I tell you that <laughs> maybe this was a harbinger of things to come and I should have taken that as a warning, but back in the day, 2010, maybe 11, 12, somewhere up in there, you know, when they liked me at, for my conversion to Catholicism or before my awakening to it. I already was a Catholic. Uh, can I tell you that I had pro- uh, propositioned several occasions Mitter Jeremy Coleman and Mitter Dave Gorab. Now, who's that? Coleman is the was the vice president of radio operations, you see, programming operations for the Sirius XM channel. Gorab was the vice president of talk radio operations for the Sirius XM service, whatever. Here's what I here's what I pitched him on. I said, you know, you got a couple, you got good original, a couple of original shows that are that are good. You, you seem to like mine. That's one. You got Will Cow. That's two. And yet, you're serving up the rest of the day syndicated crap. Syndicated ABC Radio Networks, Westwood One, garbage. <clears throat> Levin, Hannity, and all the rest, and Beck, and all the rest of them. And I said, uh, if somebody's going to buy a subscription, why can't they get a subscription to a channel that's all original? Who knew? Twice. I had two meetings. Two pitches. I was, here, if you're watching this on YouTube, here's how it went. Mm-hmm. 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 How about no... That is the dumbest idea. <laughs> basically, <laughs> basically, I was told, uh, you know, thanks for playing our game, uh, but, uh, you know. What you've just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. <laughs> At no point during your incoherent rambling... Were you anywhere close? So I proposed this twice. I even said, look, I'll program the darn thing. I'll recruit the talent. Assist with the imaging air thing. I was about near. So I know when I say the world's only 24-hour-a-day seven-day-a-week, completely all-original, self-contained talk radio channel. That's not a boast. It's not an advertising slogan. It's a reality. It's a fact. And that's what we do here. And for a mere 26 cents per day, you can join this revolution, and you can give the old heave-ho to whoever else you're giving 26 cents per day to. It's pretty simple. So simply go to bar I'm sorry crusadechannel.com
Sign up for a Founders Pass membership. Now, I say you ought to spend like the 34 cents per day and go ahead and become a founding brother so that you have access to all the new on-demand features that we make. Now, let me just give you a note on that. Yesterday, we added more content to the upcoming new release of Crusade Channel app that's coming for Apple's iTunes Store and uh, to the Google Play Store. Uh, It's there. They actually could release it, but it's not yet ready. It will have complete founding brother level and up member access to the files that you hear here on the Crusade Channel. Uh, RSS feeds, built in. Download, built in. Social media sharing, built in. Fast forward rewind, built in. Fast uh, pause, built in. Playlist, make a playlist, built in. All that stuff all those other guys have, you'll get it soon. But only for uh, founding brother level and higher. So upgrade your membership today. Please, and for those of you that have already done it, thank you. Uh, Mitch O'Connell had a, a little conversation yesterday with a gentleman who was a 14-day free uh, uh, a free trial member who upgrade uh, upgraded to regular money. He goes, I, 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 I'm not there with all that founding brother stuff yet, just yet. Uh, I'm working on it, but I ain't there yet. But I'm all down with the basic service. So sign me up. There's something to be said for this independence here. So I, uh, I implore you, if you're listening on the preview feed, go get, go get yourself a 14-day free trial. You get access to almost everything. Give it a shot. And thank you very much for all of you who do support us. You can also make a donation. You know, our goal is by April 2nd to sign up or to convert 400 basic yearly members who are already members or basic monthly into founding brothers. And uh, to convert them to founding brothers will uh, help us forestall a impending economic situation, shall we say, financial situation, shall we say. Uh, you can also send us a check for $30,000. Uh, we go to the mailbox every day like little dogs, like little kids waiting for our secret decoder ring from, no, I know, it's like I was a 10-year-old and I used to go to the mailbox and wait for whatever I sent away to the Bazooka Gum Company to get. I ran out to the mailbox. <laughs> Couldn't wait to get whatever the Bazooka Gum Company. I, I don't even remember what I used to get from the Bazooka trading cards. But I'd mail it off and I'd wait for it. Well, that's what we do every day. Somebody's going to send that 30 large. I just know it, Maggie O'Connell said. Every day. It hasn't happened yet. Zero point <laughs> zero. But you can make a donation in any amount, five bucks and higher, at crusadechannel.com. Okay. And thank you in advance. I have a story here that is very related to what I just talked about. Oh, uh, by the way, thank yous that I owe. Richard Bakemeyer. Thank you. This is for the Barbacoa Brotherhood and our fundraising effort for the hogs for the cause this year. Uh, assisting families that have children suffering pediatric brain cancers. Go to barbacoabrotherhood.com today. Don't put it off. And uh, consider also, if you have charitable givings to do, alms to give this Lent, I think that's a good place to give them. That that into the Crusade Channel. 
Let me thank Jeffrey Cor- uh, Jeff Corson. Thank you. Daniel Mitter, Daniel Mundy. Thank you. Chris uh, Stitzling. Thank you. John Whitney. Thank you. Douglas Lewis. Thank you. Raymond Salazar. Thank you. Uh, didn't the poll do something two days ago? The poll. Okay, already already thanked the poll. I'm, if I already thanked the poll, but I'm not, then I'm not thanking him again. He is the poll, after all. How do you think of Pollock? Say, get lost. I'm kidding. Paul's going, Mr. Charge, why do I have to take uh, all of this abuse? Uh, continue to hand out to me. All I do is send you bottles of scotch and uh, contribute to Crusade Channel. And this is how you treat friend. (laughs) Uh, I have an article here by Michael Warren Davis that is fantastic. By the by, uh, we have a telephone here. The number to call me and be on this show is... 844-527-8723. 844-527-8723. The title of the, and this is a today's pile of prep title as well, Scrapping Economics and Starting Over. Now, I sent a tweet out to uh, uh, Mitter, Mitter Davis earlier today asking if he knew that Joseph Pierce and I actually host uh, the Piercing Truth radio show and have... Covered all the stuff that he covered in this uh, in this piece here, and have covered it from the point of view uh, that Joseph wrote a follow-up book to E.F. Schumacher's "Small Is Beautiful, Small Is Still Beautiful," and it is the subject of four on-demand episodes that you can get right now. Well, go ahead, keep sitting on your hands and not downloading them. To a couple of hundred of you, they're free, but we can't force them into your ears. The Piercing Truth, episode two, four, six, and eight are all about solidarity, distributist, economics. Small is still beautiful. Here's what Davis wrote in part. Having garnered almost one-third of the votes in this week's Italian elections, the five-star movement has emerged as Italy's single largest party. Though they won't form a government this year, they're sure to act as the official opposition to the center-right coalition led by Matteo Salvini and Silvio Berlusconi. Expect M5S's gains to cause panic on both sides of Marica's political aisle. Though usually characterized as green and left libertarian, the party has tremendous appeal to the populist right. Progressives won't care for its Euroscepticism and moderate immigration restrictionism and establishment conservative will be horrified by its support for degrowth economics, by which they mean, quote, an ecologist and anti-capitalist economic policy that views overconsumption as at the heart of of environmental problems and social inequality. Degrowth instead suggests well-being is better maximized through sharing work, consuming less, 
and, and devoting more time to family, culture, and community. The party supports a 20-hour working week. <laughs> 20? Uh, can I sign up? As a matter of fact, on an average week here on the Crusade Channel, that's how long this show was on. 20 hours. As, and monthly stipends for the unemployment and debt renegotiation. And then Michael Warren Davis says, this is a new kind of heterodox economics. Both the protectionist Donald Trump and the socialist Bernie Sanders insisted their respective ideologies would be a boon to the GDP. Laissez-faire types argued that both were naive and dangerously so. But what can any of them say to M5S? The party committed to working against such economic gains in the first place. Their program is backed up by polls, <laughs> not the poll, but P-O-L-L-S, poll, the polls. Then he goes on to what this may mean, and, he, and, and, and Warren says, degrowth as a government policy strikes me as absurd and unworkable. But the, but the idea that the economy is just too big, too cumbersome, too impersonal is a perfectly valid one. When our market fundamentalist friends insist on the importance of economic growth, now we hear this all the time from conservatives and libertarians. Well, all that matters is the GDP going up, right? No, that's not all that matters. Huge swaths of the American electorate must ask themselves, why? It's true that per, uh, per capita income tends to increase with the GDP, albeit at a slower rate. Rising tides do lift all or most boats. But that doesn't mean wages will keep pace with the cost of living which is one of the reasons, for instance, that a larger share of the population is renting homes than at any time in five decades. <clears throat> well, there's another, another reason why, Michael, and that is because people don't know how to build homes anymore. And the idea of a 30-year mortgage that's really financed by the fe federal government has... Some people go like, meh, meh. You mean I got I, I to gotta paint this thing every, every five seconds? Nah, nah. I'm a, a millennial loser. I like late evenings with my buddies until 11 p.m. I like sleeping in till 9 or 10. You know, the usual stuff we millennials like. Uh, I don't like the prospect of, you know, scraping paint off of siding, sweeping the sidewalk, you know, those sorts of things. I'm not interested. Thanks, but no thanks. In other words, I am a, uh, you know, I am a dyed-in-the-wool slacker loser. And I really don't care if I own a house. <laughs> it really doesn't matter to me. So uh, I'm just going to go ahead and bow out here, right? Remember that clip that I used to, that we played here a couple times on the, uh, the show, the Millennial Job Interview? Uh... So it says here that you're proficient in... It says you are trained in technology. That's very good. Are you adept at Excel? No. PowerPoint? No. 
publisher? Not really. Exactly in what area of technology mm -hmm. are you proficient? <laughs> Snapchat, Pinterest, Instagram, Vine, Twitter, you know, the big ones. I'm surprised you didn't say Facebook. <laughs> That's for old people, like my parents. <laughs> That's funny. Well, Amy, when you're working for me, you have to have those kind of research skills because I'll send you things for you to comb through and get the answers and send them to me. So for that, you've got to be really good at technology. For stuff like that, no problem. I'll just ask Siri. You'll just ask Siri? You know, Siri, tell me this. Siri, find me that. We're all good getting you the answers. Tell Siri I want you ready to go at 8 sharp each and every morning. I don't understand. What don't you understand? What you just said. <laughs> you don't understand be ready to go? No. You said 8, right? Yes. Eight, like, in the morning, eight? Yes, in the morning. Yeah. That kind of doesn't work for me. Who gets up at eight? I do. I Skype with my ah. French boyfriend in Paris until, like, three in the morning. I don't even get to Starbucks until, like, ten, where I order my grande chai tea latte, three pumps, skim milk, light water, 2% foam, extra hot, but not too hot. So if it's okay, I work best in the morning at 1045. <laughs> Wow. Amy, I don't think we're gonna be a good fit. Why are you so negative? I can sense your hostilities and right now I am not feeling very safe. I've been here for over five minutes and the only nice five thing you minutes. have said to me was nice resume, which I typed all night for this meeting with you. You've given me no guidance, no validation, no encouragement, no supervision. Is there an HR director somewhere? HR director? Yes, I need to speak to someone. I may have to take off today as a mental health day. Take the day off? You, Amy, Amy, look at me. You don't work here. Are you firing me? Okay, yes. <laughs> she says. <laughs> Are you firing me? As a matter of fact, I am. We all know someone like this, don't we? Unfortunately, it's all too true. <laughs> so, uh, that millennial type there, yeah, that would be the person that would not participate in any kind of an economy. Certainly not one where actual labor was required. Now, uh, back to Michael Warren Davis. I tell you what, Hank, pause Michael Warren Davis. I'm going to come back to this, but he, basically his theme is he gets into the middle of this piece and he starts quoting E.F. Schumacher. Middle church, please. E.F. Hutton speaks and David Simpson listens. <laughs> E.F. Schumacher. <laughs> no, no, no. The other, other E.F. Hutton. E.F. Schumacher. He wrote a book in 1972 called... Small is beautiful. Joseph Pierce wrote a refresh of that book in 1998 called Small is Still Beautiful. 
And what Warren here says is, you know, people are starting uh, to get tired of gigantism. They're just starting to sense that there's something wrong here. Now, we here on the Crusade Channel have been talking about this for two and a half, almost three years now. And I ask you, you people, hang on, I'm going to come back to this discussion here. Because the economics that are talked about in this F here are the ones that you and I should be talking about. And that's what makes the Crusade Channel and the conversations that we have here different than anything else you're going to find on radio or television today. We don't, we aren't the answer, Crusade Channel and Crusade Channel host. We're not the answer. We promote the solution. We're not the uh, so, solution to the fall. We promote the solution. By the by, since he's out of the closet now, there's a uh, message in the chat room that almost all of you are not in at MikeChurch.com right now. Uh, Chatter William, my friend, my friend William, um, with golfer Phil Mickelson. Middle Church, please get back to the caller in Tennessee and the economics. Well, this is why this is important. William is posing with Phil Mickelson, all buddy-buddy, smiling and chummy and all that. That's how I can authenticate the auction item that I have at barbacoabrotherhood.com. Now, I don't know why no one has jumped on this to go make a bid on it. It is a 2010 Masters flag, you know, green flag, flagstick flag from the 18th green, the one they have on the 18th green. It is a 2010 Masters flag. It's embroidered with Masters on there, signed by Phil Mickelson. Where are you going to get one of those? But wait a minute, miniature, miniature, wait, so, what, so, wait, wait, I can get a matter, you, okay, well, go, go ahead, go ahead, spend a thousand dollars and go to Augusta and try and get Mickelson to sign it, go ahead, I got one, as a matter of fact, I have three, I got a 2010, 2004, and 2006 flag, sent to me by William, that's how we can authenticate the flag and the signature, because William knows Phil, so Mickelson kind of did donate this, for the Barbacoa Brotherhood to auction off. And I asked William, I didn't just pridefully go like, well, I got this flag again, so I'm going to auction it. I asked him, I said, dude, you gave it to me as a gift. Do you mind if I sell it for the kids? And he goes, absolutely, Mike. And if you need another one, let me know. I'll get Phil to sign it. Now, what else is in that auction item at barbacoabrotherhood.com that's just, I, I still, I'm in shock that that thing has not been forwarded around and there are no bids, especially considering the cause. Children suffering brain cancers. Uh, I also have a KPMG baseball cap or golfer's cap that Phil wears at every golf tournament. You can see him walking the fairways with it. This one is actually worn by Phil, autographed on the brim, Phil Mickelson. Uh, we also have a glove, a Callaway glove that Lefty wears, unmistakable Callaway glove. You can see him wearing them in tournaments. Don't know what tournament he wore this one in. Autographed. Worn and then autographed by Phil Mickelson, who just won the World Championships of Golf in Mexico City, by the way. And who is a favorite to win at Augusta again this year. The starting bid is 500 bucks. I mean, come on. 
there's a golf fan out there. You know what? Even if it's not you that's listening right now, come on, dude. You don't know someone that would that's got a that would love to have that in their man cave or whatever. Go make a bid on it today. Barbacoabrotherhood.com. All right, Denise in Tennessee is on the telephone. Since I was whining about not having calls, I am delighted to say I have one. And it is Denise. Denise, you're first up here today on the Mike Church Show here on the Crusade Channel, King Size Truth from Radio Size Speakers, at 844-527-8723. How you doing? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Mike? I am well. Thank you very much. Glad you called. What's on your mind? Well, um, I would have called earlier, but I don't. Uh, I use my cell phone, and the reception's not real good at my house, and you keep buffering. But I was listening to your um, discussion about parenting and pornography and the private school, the letter that you read. Yep. And it all just kind of hit me because my husband and I adopted three kids uh, 14 years ago. Okay. They were young at the time, and... When the middle child, my daughter, became a teenager, we had already decided to homeschool them. They were in a Catholic school um, until we relocated to Tennessee from Vermont, where it was too liberal. Had to get out of there. (laughs) (laughs) And so we moved to Tennessee, figured we're in the Bible Belt, and so we're going to trust them to the public school system. And it took about two years for me to realize that was a mistake. So I pulled them out and I started a homeschool. And we even had a cooperative where parents teach. And it's a Christian group. So I don't know how my daughter got so misled by culture because she wasn't really exposed to anything except the Christian kids, supposedly. But uh, I guess even them... uh, Parents just don't watch as much as they used to. And I was on them constantly to try to monitor what they did online. And I caught my daughter more than once doing um, messaging, triple X-rated type messaging. What? What, what, what? Yeah. How old? uh, Denise, how old? 15. 15. 15. Now, now. Uh, pardon me for my uh, directness. Feel free free to tell me to go pound sand. Go right ahead. No. Uh, now, was she uh, in, engaging in her uh, was she photographing herself engaging in the triple X, or was she just watching it? Uh, she was in. Um, she was taking nude self pictures. Oh, good lord! And sending them to strangers. You know what I? Uh, I can. I remember having this conversation when my girls got the the phones, the smartphones, and I remember telling them, and I still tell them, don't be stupid, don't ever, ever, ever take a photograph of yourself without your clothes on. I don't care who you're sending it to, what promise they've made of what they're going to do with it or not going to do with it, or the fact they get Snapchat deleted or whatever happens. Once it's out there, you can't ever get it back. You'll regret it to the day you die. Don't do it. I tried to put the fear of God into them to tell them, look, horn dogs are out there and so are pedophiles, and they want you to post that picture. And believe me, they found a way to get it. Yeah, they did. They did. 
And what really, really got me is during a tenant service at our church, um, I had brought her along, and she had just, quote, unquote, given away her virginity oh. because she loved this guy. Oh, she and gave she gave it away. I, I love that. Uh, yeah, I'm going to admit her boyfriend. Please take it. I just want to give it to you. Yep. Yep. I mean, she really just, she has broken my heart more times. She's coming back slowly, but she's coming back. But when she went into the um, confessional with at our penance service, she came out and said that the priest wouldn't forgive her. And I said, what? And she said, because I told him, you know, I wasn't sorry. Don't. So she, so she went into confession, reconciliation, and she confessed to sin, but then wouldn't do the act of contrition? Right. She, she said that she wasn't sorry she did it. Oh, wow. That there were other things she was sorry for, but she wasn't sorry for that. Wow. That's a... So obviously, she couldn't receive. And I think, um, it, it, to me, it all seems like it started right after her confirmation, and I thought... The confirmation is what sent the devil after her, but I think it's more like the devil had already gotten a hold of her before it while she was preparing, because she was likely in a state of mortal sin at the time of her confirmation, and therefore the gifts of the Holy Spirit could not work upon her. You know, this is an area of theology that I that, uh, I, I struggle with because, um, <laughs> and my uh, my priest kind of chuckles at me. I, uh, I'll come stand before mass and I'll say, Father, I uh, uh, I need to um, uh, I need to get to to, to to confession. So I can't get up in front of the congregation and do your announcements uh, if I'm not you know a total state of grace. And you know, <laughs> go like it's an announcement. I like I know well, I don't want to have anything to do with anything that has anything to do with the mass, and, and, uh, unless you know I, uh, I I can do it all in. And uh, I'll tell you what he told me one, or, or what another one told me that I asked about this. He told me, he said, you know, you should go to confession and you should uh, confess those sins. You should get absolution. But just so you'll know, if you know how to make a perfect act of contrition and you do it over, you know, that sin or this sin or whatever the sin may be, um, God is going to accept that. But he still wants you to go to the priest because he wants you to, to participate in the sacrament and he wants, you know, his holy representative to assign you a penance. So, um, but you got to be contrite. And if you're not sorry for it, it won't matter. And when you say state of grace and that the Holy Ghost won't work, um, you know, I, 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 I tend to agree with you. You know, the Holy Ghost is not going to work. And... Uh, uh, the, my friend Ralph Sarchi, for example, will tell me, I won't go anywhere near one of them if I'm not in a total state of grace. If, if I can't find a confessional, I'll call one on the phone because I'm not going anywhere near one of them, the demons, if I'm not in a state of grace. I don't to put the fear of God into you of just how powerful those, uh, those beings are. Of course, you have to... You know, you got to cooperate with them too. It's the cooperation to get you in trouble. Absolutely, and I've heard a story of someone else who um, was in a state of mortal sin, and this is kind of where it hit me that must be what it, what was going on with her. 
that when this person finally confessed, then everything rushed upon her. All the gifts of the Holy Spirit were restored, and she was made new. And so I'm trying to lead my daughter to that. She's 22 now. Oh. She's pregnant. Oh. Not married. Oh. I know. And I can't punish this child. No, um, no, no. She's been, um, she's had a bout of being septic and was in the hospital for 10 days. She almost died. And my poor grandchild, uh, I want to make sure that he is going to be close to me and will be brought up in the faith. And she knows this. Now, she... And I'm laughing in a way because I'm traveling on the road at the moment on my way to a baby consignment sale. And my daughter in law is in front of me. She passed me while I was talking with you. And so I'm following her because she knows where she's going and I don't. Uh, now, your daughter or your daughter in law? Well, my daughter in law is in front of me. Oh, okay. Married to my older son. And it, it, this is the daughter that, that you're concerned about. The daughter that I'm concerned about, yes. Well, you know, can you... Uh, uh, She's living with us. We pulled her out of an abusive relationship, brought her home with us. And so she's been coming back to church. She has not yet gone to confession, but she is coming to Mass. So little by little, we're bringing her back in. Uh, I might suggest that if... Um, um, Send an email to the following address about this, if you would, for me. Crusader Monastery at crusadechannel.com. Can you do that? Yes, I can. So, Crusader Monastery, spell it out, all one word, Crusader Monastery at crusadechannel.com. And that will go to uh, Mrs. Linscombe, who will then add this intention to a group that grows every day when I mention the email address. And uh, she'll add that prayer intention in there. Um, and then keep her posted on any progress because, you know, if the situation changes, then, then we need to change the intention. But there is a, a prayer group that is actually praying for these sorts of things uh, right here in our little, uh, our, our little group here in the chat room and in other places that um, are listening to the Crusade Channel. So uh, I'm not saying that they can help, uh, but I'm, uh, well, they can help. Hey, th does your daughter have a patron saint, confirmation saint, or whatever? Yes, Joan of Arc. Joan of Arc? Yes. <laughs> so, yes, I have been, um, St. Monica and St. Joan have been um, on my uh, sort of daily radar. Now, St. Monica, you know, uh, was basically a confessed alcoholic. I, I don't know if you knew that. She, she, she struggled with it her whole life, um, which is probably where Augustine got it from. My patron saint is St. Augustine, so uh, you and I have something in common. Um, <laughs> but uh, St. Monica struggled with that, but she never stopped praying for that kid. Now, just imagine this. That she was baptized. She was converted when she was a teenager. And uh, she she had Augustine when she was a teenager, and, and they believed that she had the that they made the marriage uh, official or whatever in Tagaste, where, where where she lived with, with with Augustine's father, who resisted conversion all the way until almost his death, and then he was baptized and converted near 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 death. But uh, 
Monica, St. Monica uh, was converted and was living in that household. Just imagine this. She was living in a household with a husband who, uh, by the accounts that survived, was not a nice man. He was very uh, he was very abusive. Uh, he was abusive to his sons. He was abusive to her. He was known to have a uh, several licentious problems, shall we say. He refused uh, to convert. He refused to even be baptized. And he never stopped mocking her and trying to stop her from pursuing the Catholic faith uh, at, at the time. So uh, she lived in that house with the husband, with St. Augustine or Augustine, uh, Augustine's brothers and his sisters, and she was the only one out of all of them that was praying and was going to church. Now, she started, so, so she had Augustine at, at, at an early age, converted shortly thereafter. So let's just say he was five when she converted. That would mean that she prayed for his conversion, and it ultimately happened when he met St. Ambrose, for 28 years, 28 years before St. Augustine became or got on the path to becoming St. Augustine. So let that sink in, Denise. I'm only at seven years now. Well, I'm at uh, four, so <laughs> I don't know. Seven years that I've been praying for her. I don't know if I'll make it uh, for the uh, the remaining 24, but uh, send the email to Crusader Monastery at crusadechannel.com. And anyone else can, too, uh, if you've got an intention. And uh, the ladies will uh, will be happy to add you to the list. Uh, keep us uh, keep us posted, uh, uh, Denise, and, and uh, I'll add her to my What's her name? <laughs> it's kind of unusual. Uh, she came with it, though. We did give her a middle name of Therese. Therese. Yes, of Lugier. Yeah. Um, but her first name is Anika. Anita? Anika, A-N-I-K-K-A. Oh, Anika. Okay. Yes. Like Anika. Yeah, that's what a lot of people call her. Well, that's because of the golf for Anika Sorenstam. That's why. Right. Right. All right. I got it. Anika Ter- uh, Therese. Got it. Uh, stay in touch, Denise. Uh, God bless you. God love you. You too, Mike. Thank you. Uh, gosh, folks. Who wants to... Middle Church, please, get back to something happy. <laughs> it's been an awful, awful last couple of days. Other, other The bright spots have been... Uh, the apologetics class yes, uh, last night, bright spot, talking to Brother Andre yesterday. What? Ho- I was going to say that, and the hogs donations have been bright spots. Um, would you give me what, what's on the printer? You know, while we're on the subject here, uh, since it's uh, my show, and I probably run most of you away anyways already, so uh, why not just go all in, right? While we're talking Crusader Monastery, uh, I, have, I have permission to read this, so I'm not stepping out of line. This is from a listener and a Founders Past member, a uh, Founding Father level member, I believe. Uh, and he carbon copied this to, to David Simpson. David actually read this on the True Money Show yesterday, but since I didn't, I figured I'd go ahead and do it myself. Good morning, Mike, and may this letter find you well. 
As you know, life has been a bit hectic around here, and I wanted to give you an update, plus show that prayers do work. So, Denise, buck up, sister. My saint of a wife, Carla, went into labor, early labor with one uh, with our fraternal twins about two weeks ago. Seventeen weeks premature. Let that sink in for a moment. Seventeen weeks premature. God and the doctors were able to stop the delivery for about a week and a half. Her water had not yet broken. They had my wife in a bed upside down using gravity to keep both babies inside for about a week. When we arrived at the hospital two weeks ago, the doctors told us they could do nothing for the babies if Carla delivered before 2.26. We prayed to God every moment to keep our babies inside of Mama until the doctors could do something. Then on the 1st of March, baby Alexander decided that he wanted to enter the world and started to slide down and out of Carla. This time, the doctors were not able to stop the delivery for Alexander, and he was born at one pound, four ounces, at 4 p.m. on the 1st of March. He is currently doing well in the neonatal unit right down the hall from us. He is very premature, and we continue to ask God to bless him and give him grace. After Alexander was born, baby B decided he wanted to continue to cook inside of mom. The doctors were able to stitch Carla closed and allow this baby to continue to grow. We are hoping he decides to stay inside until closer to the 6-25-2018 due date. Mike, you are free to use the contents of this letter as you see fit. Thanks, Tony Bonchimino. Now, since he gave me permission, I'm going to give you his first and his last name so you can pray for little baby Alexander Bonchimino. I mean, God's going to know anyways, but you can, uh, look, Tony, we love you, brother. We've already prayed, and I'm sure many others have in that family, baby Lillian, born at 26 weeks. I say we, I shouldn't say that. The Holy Ghost and God took care of baby Lillian. We tried to assist with prayers. Only God knows if it was our prayers or whoever's that were heard. Anyways, baby Lillian is about ready to leave the hospital now and go home. And she was born at 26 weeks, much like little baby Alexander was born at 24. Yeah, and baby Lillian is on the Crusader Monastery prayer list. So I just thought I'd pass that on. So we're going to add... So this is baby number two, baby uh, premature baby number two, and uh, we'll just uh, so we'll add baby Alexander to the list and uh, entrust the care to, to Almighty God. At this point, uh, that's all you can really do. Now, so people that may, may be hearing this on the preview channel are going like, "Really, Mike? This is what you do now?" I got to ask you a question. Can you suggest something to me for my time that, where I would be better spending it? What, researching the Constitution for you so you don't have to? 
looking up some arcane historical facts so you don't have to and you can win a debate on Facebook? Really? I, I mean, seriously, folks. We take our vocation seriously here. When we say it's a vocation, it is. Yeah, we come in here every day. <laughs> Who likes getting up at 2.57 in the morning? <laughs> I got to raise my hand and go, I must like it because I do it. Who shows up here every day? <clears throat> Mrs. O'Connell, I... Many of you. Now, I just have to say, to receive this letter from Mr. Bonchimino, to me, is a request. Hey, man, you know, what can you do, Lama? Hey, Lama, can you add me to that, you know, that list you got there? And I'm flattered that he sent it to me. I also copied David on it. and flattered that we're... Uh, able to hopefully do something about it. But I have to say, is any of that going to happen, including the prayers for baby Lillian, prayers for Lillian Vitali, Nino's wife, who beat the leukemia? Is any of that going to happen if I'm happily, financially, firmly ensconced on a secular radio channel doing that secular radio that I was doing every day uh, and not being here on the crusade. Channel. I don't know. So that's a, that's a, that's a, a, a negative question. We can't answer. However, we can answer in the affirmative that, okay, well, we can't answer that. Well, it is happening because you are doing this. We are all doing this. So Denise, take heart. There are, um, there are others out there that uh, have prayer requests too, uh, and I think that this is, you know, the saints tell us this is a part of formation here. This is a this is a, uh, a important part of formation, and that is dealing with suffering, struggling. You have to do it. As a matter of fact, I had that story two days ago from Joseph Pierce that I never finished. I started it. Where'd you go, Mitter Pierce? Mitter Pierce, Mitter Pierce. The uh, story was... Here it is. A fictional path to understanding the mystery of suffering. <clears throat> now, he's writing about this fiction novel that he started reading. He goes like, there is a new age uh, dawning. We're in it. Folks, we're living in a historical moment right now. We're living in a historical moment right now. Well, all men at all times always live in historical moments, but we're living in, I think, a pivotal historical moment. And that is because uh, we are all praying and doing works and uh, having starving ourselves for Lent and offering this up as a reparation for sins and all the things that you're all doing and Maggie O'Connell and I are doing every day and many of you are also doing, uh, not only for our souls, but for the souls of others. Uh, and one of the things is for a worthy intentions of prayers, making reparations for blasphemies against the Immaculate Heart of Our Lady, and, and, and on and on and on. We're all doing these things, though, and trying to, hopefully, using some of the grace that we're getting to understand and to become better acquainted with, and maybe even to look forward to, suffering. All the saints look forward to suffering. You know, to them, it wasn't suffering. To them, it was joy. Oh, you're going to give me this one to deal with today? Thank heavens. Thank you. 
So Joseph is writing about this and about this book that he's reading. Um, the scene is thus set, and I'm not going to book, because I already read this two days ago. The scene, the, the scene is thus set, and the book is, uh, da, 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 da. um, gosh, where's the guy's name? Glenn Arbery, A-R-B-E-R-Y. Uh, the book is called Bearings and Distances, a work of such grin, grim, unflinching realism that one finds oneself grimacing on every page. Here's the description of the book on the back cover. Quote, In the summer after Barack Obama's election, Hermia Watson, a scholar of black history, lures the famous and famously irresponsible Professor Braxton Forrest back to his hometown in Georgia, using his two daughters as unwitting hostages. Returning home, uh, returning alone while his pious wife continues touring Italy, Forrest arrives to the tremblings of his abandoned past and a confrontation with the furies he thought modernity had left behind. In the course of a few days, Hermia realizes what violent revelation she has begun to unleash about her former lover, her mother, and her own identity, but it is too late to stop what is coming to light. And then Joseph Pierce. The scene is thus set, and it's, not for the re- it, and, and it's not for the reviewer to reveal too much more, lest he give the game away, spoiling the reader's experience of the many shocking surprises that lie in wait for him as he turns the pages. And there are many surprises and many shocking revelations it's as though the turning of each new page is, is the turning of a rock which reveals new scandals or the turning of a corpse which reveals the putridness of decay. Each new lurid revelation writhes maggot-like on the decadent flesh which gives them birth, worming and squirming their way into the reader's imagination as they worm and squirm their way into the lives of the fictional characters. And it's not just the flesh that crawls with each uh, twist and turn in the plot. It's also the skin which creeps, especially the color of the skin. With raw, nerved realism, Dr. Arbery exposes the raw nerve of racism in all its guises and disguises, and in all its colors, in every one of its 50 shades of gray. Racism is not about skin color, but, but about the obsession with skin color, an obsession which afflicts all races. This obsession runs through the pages of bearings and distances as catastrophically as the obsession with sex. The palpitating presence of tribal pride and racial pre- uh, prejudice will remind many readers of the novels of Flannery O'Connor, and there's no denying that Bearing and Distances owes a great deal to the legacy of Southern literature, most notably, of course, in its setting in O'Connor's own home state of Georgia. So this ought to strike home for some of you people, is his point. And yet there is much more to it than that. In some ways, it can be seen uh, uh, not so much as a work in the tradition of Southern Gothic, as a work in what might be called Southern classicism. This is evidence in the suggestive parallels with the works of Aeschylus 
and Sophocles, which the discerning reader will hardly miss. And this is perhaps the secret to understanding the novel at its deepest level of meaningful applicability. It is not primarily about the South, though it penetrates deeply into the Southern soul. Nor is it primarily about race, though it cuts through the cant to get to racism's darkened heart. Nor is it even ultimately about destructiveness with a candor that is at times almost crass. All of these themes are important, but in the philosophical sense, they are mere accidents. They are not of the, eth- uh, of the essence. They do not encapsulate the essential heart of the novel. At its deepest, bearing and distances acts, asks and endeavors brilliantly to answer the most difficult of questions. It grapples with the problem of pain. It asks the most painful of questions. Why do bad things happen to good people? Why are the innocent corrupted? Why do good people become bad people? Why do the good people who are corrupted by bad people become bad people themselves? Why are those who are abused more likely to become abusers? It takes raw nerve to tackle such questions and it takes the exposing of raw nerves to do so successfully. In this most painfully brilliant of novels, Mr. Arbery succeeds sublimely. Joseph Pierce. Um, I haven't read the book. I don't have the book. Uh, I probably wouldn't like to read the book because i got so much nonfiction that I'm reading. I don't know. And I'm a slow reader. I mean, I am like kindergarten level. Remember when your kids were little? I read it to fifth grade level now when they were second grade. I probably read it to fifth grade level. Uh, and that's because I can't type without looking at the keyboard. So <laughs> I'm a text addled. Uh, however, I'm kidding about some of that. I... Uh, I can gather from Joseph's review a couple of things. One of them is this. In the Western world today, and certainly in Marica in 2018, no one is familiar with uh, familiar enough with the concept, or few people, let me say, are familiar enough with the concept of suffering, of pain. Let me break it down a little more uh, specifically mortification. Now, why does any of that matter? Well, we're told over and over again in uh, gospel, in the gospel, and and by the way, we have a good uh, measure of this. We have a good indication, a, a non-fictional story of this. Before his public ministry began, where did Jesus of Nazareth go? And what did he go to do? He went out into the desert and did what? Fasted for 40 days. What does St. Luke tell us happened at the end? And when he finished fasting, he was hungry. <laughs> so I'll say. So he went to go get himself a bite to eat. He went back to Nazareth, and then we get the story of Saman the, the Syrian, 
from Monday's gospel, or Monday's reading in, uh, for the Mass. And uh, now, what happened while he was out there fasting? Who came and visited him? The devil. What did the devil do? The devil said, hey, Lama. Now, you got to remember, at this time, the devil does not know who he's dealing with. He, he, for all the devil knows, and by the way, this is how we know, according to catechism, that God prevents the demons from knowing everything about us. They know some things. They don't know everything. And that's one of the gospel indications that we know that God withholds revelation to them. They don't know everything. So uh, when you think like, well, the demons have been spying on me this whole time. They know everything I've done wrong. Well, they know a lot of it. They don't know it all. But they know some of it. Now, they don't know who they're dealing with. Beelzebub, Satan, Baal, Bagul, whoever it is, Lucifer, does not know who he's dealing with. He, for, for all he knows, now, now he might suspect, but he doesn't know that he's dealing with his God because it's his God too. You know, the demons, uh, they, they, they play a good game, and, and Hollywood does a good job of making it as though that the demons having a... Um, uh, the demons having an upper hand in these affairs, they don't have an upper hand in these affairs. They most certainly do not. They, uh, they don't even have an advantage. Uh, God is always going to win. He may allow them to win, but he's not going to, uh, he doesn't have the ability, uh, the, the, the demons do not, uh, stick with the original point, they don't have the upper hand. So why is that important? It's important because when our Lord was out there in the desert praying and fasting and suffering, the demon came to him during that suffering, knowing that he was suffering, to tempt him. Okay, why is that important, Mike? Minute Church, please, I'm out. No constitution, no history today, I'm leaving. Going back to adding the Breitbart breakfast flakes, sorry. Thanks for the preview. We'll go ahead and leave before the punchline. Have a nice day. We'll pray for you. Why does that matter? <clears throat> because it's during the bad times during the suffering, it's during everything looks lost. That's right. Satan said, if you are the son of God, you want to, <clears throat> if you are, because he didn't know. Uh, when you're suffering, when you're toying with discouragement or despair or, you know, having a pity party for one, which you hear me doing from time to time, this is when the uh, Beelzebub knows he's got an advantage here. And this is when he can tempt you and say, hey, man. You can snap out of that right now. <laughs> you can go do this right now. I guarantee you to bring instant pleasure, instant joy. You'll stop thinking about that which you're, you know, is uh, making you sad or tempting you or causing you pain. You don't have to fast for him. He doesn't care about that. Go get a burger. So what if it's a Friday in Lent? He'll never know. It's important because... You gotta know that, and you gotta know that you know, when you're in a state of grace, or and when you're, when you're 
in an ecstasy or in your enjoy, they're not going to mess with you. They, they, they have no chance. They know they have no chance. When you are close to the evil, though, when the doors open, you know, it's kind of like Monty Hall and The Price is Right. Okay, Mike, are you going to choose what's behind door number one, door number two, or, or I'll give you $500 right now. When the doors open and you can choose the sin, that's when they're the most menacing. And now, and when you, and when we are with God's grace successful and not giving in to that temptation or that sin, that's an indication that you may be growing a little bit in holiness. And they're going to get pissed. <laughs> They're going to get pissed off, and they're going to double their effort. Read the screw tape letters. That's a really good uh, fiction, work of fiction, but it pretty much tells that story. Because, you know, the devil's telling, uh, Uncle Screwtape is telling the, the nephew, you let him, what? You, why did you let him pray, you idiot? Anyways, now here with the 8.30 a.m. Central, 9.30 a.m. Eastern Time News, here's Midas Celeste Youngblood live from the news desk. Here on the Crusade Channel, King Size Truth from Radio Size Speakers. Most Crusade Channel wannabes only get the mission half right. Men, you are about to embark on a great crusade to stamp out runaway decency in the West. So why settle for half-baked radio hacks crusading in mono when you can get the real deal on the Mike Church Show? Now go do that voodoo that you do so well. In stereo. Oh, oh, oh. The Mike Church Show's Great Crusade is on the Veritas Radio Network's Crusade. Here is a resolution that is as radical as that which separated us from Great Britain. It is radical in this transition. Our rights and privileges are endangered. And the sovereignty of the states will be relinquished. And cannot we plainly see that this is actually the case? The rights of conscience, trial by jury, liberty of the press, all your immunities and franchises... All pretensions to human rights and privileges are rendered insecure, if not lost, by this change. So loudly talked by some, and so inconsiderately by others. Is this tame relinquishment of rights worthy of free men? Is it worthy of that manly fortitude that ought to characterize Republicans? It is said eight states have adopted this plan. I declare that if 12 states and a half had adopted it, I would, with manly firmness and in spite of an erring world, reject it. You are not to inquire how your trade may be increased, nor how you are to become a great and powerful people, but how your liberties can be secured. For liberty ought to be the direct end of your government. Guard with jealous attention the public liberty. Suspect everyone who approaches that jewel. The Confederation, this same despised government, merits, in my opinion, the highest praise. Why? It carried us through a long and dangerous war. 
It rendered us victorious in that bloody conflict with a powerful nation. It has secured us a territory greater than any European monarch possesses. And shall a government which has been thus strong and vigorous be accused of imbecility and abandoned for want of energy? Consider what you are about to do before you part with the government. When American spirit was in its youth, the language of America was different. Liberty, sir, was then the primary object. We are descended from a people whose government was founded on liberty. Our glorious forefathers of Great Britain made liberty the foundation of everything. That country has become a great, strong, splendid nation. Not because their government is strong and energetic, but, sir, because liberty is its direct end and foundation. We draw the spirit of liberty from our British ancestors. By that spirit, we have triumphed over every difficulty. But now, sir, the American spirit, assisted by the ropes and chains of consolidation, is about to convert this country into a powerful and mighty empire. If you make the citizens of this country agree to become the subjects of one great consolidated empire of America, your government will not have sufficient energy to keep them together. Such a government is incompatible with the genius of republicanism. Henry Max, Mike Church Show here on the Crusade Channel featuring King Size Truth from Radio Size Speakers on a Thursday. Minish Young Blood, thank you for the 9.30 Eastern, 8.30 a.m. Eastern news. We have a bit of announcement to make uh, concerning the news, and uh, I'll tell you all about it in exactly one hour from now. So, that's all I'm going to tell you. You're going to stick around and come back in an hour. Or just, uh, I don't know, you know, kick back and listen for an hour. By the by, our 2018 Hogs for the Cause fundraising efforts have begun. Uh, those of you that have been listening to this show for a long time, you already know that this is something that occurs every year. And it's around this time of year. And uh, it's usually the last weekend in March when the actual festival is held in New Orleans. They've moved it from City Pork 
to the Lakefront Arena, uh, a much better location. And uh, the festival itself is bigger than ever. I mean, <laughs> besides the fact that it's on a Friday in Lent, and you'll be surround. And Friday is Bacon Night, and I went, dude, really? You know that's in the middle. That's in Lent, right? Yeah, yeah. We we have to have it. That we can't have it any other way. All right, dude. All right. Um, besides that. There is a, um, you're going to, it's a great fundraising opportunity to benefit uh, families that have children suffering pediatric brain cancers, half a dozen of which I have met. And thanks to you, $125,000 has been raised over the last five years. That is not chump change. Thank you. You do all that, by the way. Yeah, I just kind of show up. So, having said that, here is uh, what remains on our 2018 wish list. And uh, you guys and gals have already knocked out most of the items. We uh, have eight cases of St. Louis-style ribs. Somebody bought two of them yesterday, so there are eight remaining. That's an item. There is... um, Oh gosh, is is the list? I, I I don't know. There are two other items that are that are in there, and that's all the. Oh, there's. Um, I have no idea. Oh, tent signage and uh, something or other. Um, our inner office, the IFB, is broken. It's down, and I can't use it. So Mrs. O'Connell cannot yell at me from the other room. She can, but I can't hear her. Uh, hopefully, we'll get it fixed today. Anyway, those are the two remaining items. I mentioned this earlier. There are a half a dozen bottles of St. Francis Winery from St. Francis uh, from the St. Francis Winery in California. These were donated by listener Jaws Will. Folks, these are not your garden variety. This is not Rioniti or uh, Nitrain wine. Some of the finest wine you'll ever drink. Uh, and it's hard to get. It's a, a very, as a matter of fact, if you go to their website, they tell you how many barrels they make per year of each individual vintage. It's not a lot. Like I think the one I saw that was the most was 435 barrels. That's not a lot of wine. So you can make a bid on these auction items, and if you win the auction, then we'll ship you the bottle of wine. So you make a donation for a great cause, hogs, and you get a bottle of wine out the deal. I mean, come on. So there's six bottles of wine. I believe the auction is the bidding that started on some of those. Uh, but you could go make a bid on any of them today. The bidding, the auctions will end on Tuesday, the 21st, I believe, is when the auction will end. I also mentioned that there is the um, the Phil Mickelson, yes, that Phil Mickelson, professional golfer collectible set that was donated by a listener who knows Phil very well. And uh, it's a 2010 Masters Green Flag. So that's the flag that sits atop the flagstick on, like, the 18th green, embroidered with the Masters logo on it, autographed with a Sharpie by Phil. We throw in a KPMG baseball cap that uh, Phil wears in every tournament he plays in and also one of Phil's gloves. So uh, you got all three of the items. The bidding starts at $500. Bucks. Uh, it's, if, if you're a collector of that sort of thing, that's great collectibles there. Um, now, maybe you know someone that's an avid golfer or collects things like that or would love to have it in the clubhouse at their golf club. 
There's just one example of someone that might bid on that, and all the proceeds, of course, are going to the kids. So, again, Hawks for the Cause is 92 93% of funding that is raised goes into grants. That's a pretty impressive charity there. It's why we do it every year. And uh, I ask you to consider it again. And the best thing to do, if you want to find out more or make a donation in any kind, you can make a $5 donation. Please send me an email so I can add you to the thank you list if you do. Barbacoabrotherhood.com. Now, in addition to the auctions, you can also take some barbecue, a Barbacoa Brotherhood swag. Do we have the, the bags of pork rub up there? I mean, that butt rub is some of the best butt rub on earth. And I can't remember what the donation is. If not, we need to get them up there because people rave about our red. Now, we have it made at Southern Foods right down the, uh, across the river there. So uh, it's professionally made. It's not us uh, sitting around in the kitchen throwing ingredients together. Anyways, uh, all that is on the side. You can get a baseball cap. A, uh, I am wearing my souvenir barbecue brotherhood lapel pin, an antique brush brass. They are beautiful. And uh, you can get one of those. You can become a fi- an associate member. By picking a membership level, we had a fellowship member uh, sign up yesterday. Thank you. Um, so there's lots of ways to donate. We try to make it fun, and we try to tell a story about, you know, how we cook the food and all that, in addition to the children that and the families that are served. So I hope you'll go take advantage of that today at barbacoabrotherhood.com. Um, before I get – oh, she's gone. She gonged. She gonged. I can't believe you didn't put that video in the chat room. By the by, the chat room is open for you to go and chat in about the show, Mike Church Show, and all that we're talking about. You can actually go in there and make a prayer request if you wanted to, or go in there and get the links to everything that we're discussing here. It's, it's on my website at MikeChurch.com. Click Mike Church Show Live Chat at the top of the page. And uh, if you're a new chatter, then uh, please announce yourself as uh, being new. I want to get back to this. Michael Warren Davis piece from the American Conservative magazine. <clears throat> Scrapping economics and starting over. Over this Now, this is exactly the prescription that is called for by Joseph Pierce and I on the on-demand episodes of The Piercing Truth, which you can download right now at crusadechannel.com in the on-demand store. By the way, I sent a coupon out last night to 4,824 of you. $10 to use in the on-demand store. 10 bucks. Hundreds of titles, including The Piercing Truth, The Deliver Us From Evil Tapes, David Simpson, Zeros to Heroes, my series of interviews with Chris Ferrara and Carrie Grass and many others, uh, Greg Carpenter, uh, Reverse Deception series on the UN and TWA Flight 800. I mean, I couldn't tell you all that you could put in a shopping cart in the on-demand store and be listening and listening and listening and enjoying and learning and learning for days. $10 coupon is sitting in many of your email boxes. Or maybe you just say, oh, from the dude, delete it. You deleted 10 bucks. Scrapping economics and starting over. So he's writing about how people are not because because it's it, and everyone those that are at the top of the financial food chain are growing further distance from those in the middle or at the bottom. 
This is so over the top and overbearing that it's no longer deniable. No one can deny this. That the alleged wards, or, or rewards of capitalism uh, are not being rewarded and people are not reaping those rewards or those benefits. Unless they're in the, the gaming class, whatever we call it. They are uh, the aristocratic class. They're at the top of the proverbial food chain. Jeff Bezos, for example, there was a story uh, yesterday about how Bezos has uh, the uh, the CEO of Amazon has so much wealth and is accumulating more wealth at such a, a frenetic pace that he's actually earning more on the wealth that he already has than others that are in the billionaire club. Power in the hands of one James Bond villain man. I thought we were warned about not doing that. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I missed that one. So Michael Warren Davis writes about this. We are wealthier, yet we don't feel wealthier. We might have more money, but it seems to get us less. And what we do get hardly seems worth having. No pie chart or Lord Acton quote will convince people that tiny apartments filled with Ikea furniture and streets lined with McDonald's drive throughs are progress in any meaningful sense of the word. Yet, folks, drive around any suburban, wealthy suburban America, you can't swing a dead cat without hitting a brand-new strip mall development, brand-new uh, franchise chain restaurant being built, you name it. It's out there. That was the point. Uh, so, uh, and, and then uh, uh, Davis. None of which, of course, is useful in economic terms, but that doesn't make it any less true. That was the point E.F. Schumacher tried to make in his masterpiece, Small is Beautiful. The market fundamentalists, no less than the Marxists, erect a Berlin-esque wall between man's material and spiritual needs. Schumacher said this, quote, What is the meaning of democracy? Freedom, human dignity, standard of living, self-realization, fulfillment? Is it a matter of goods or is it a matter of people? Of course it is a matter of people, but people can be themselves only in small comprehensible groups, like our Crusader Room chat room that you're out there adding the Breitbart breakfast flying away on Facebook and not in right now. Therefore, we must learn to think in terms of an articulated structure that can cope with the multiplicity of small-scale units. If economic thinking cannot grasp this, it is useless Boy, howdy, Katie, bar the door. Where have I heard that before? Where have I heard that before? Therefore, we must think in terms of an articulated structure that can cope with a multiplicity of small-scale units. If economic thinking cannot grasp this, it is useless. If it cannot get beyond its vast abstractions, the national income, the rate of growth, capital output ratio, input output analysis, labor mobility, capital accumulation, etc., 
et cetera, et cetera. SWAT tests, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. If it cannot get beyond all this and make contact with the human realities of poverty, frustration, alienation, despair, breakdown, crime, escapism, stress, congestion, ugliness, and spiritual death, then let us scrap, scrap economics and start afresh. I've said many times on this show that economics, capitalism, as we practice it in America, is a soulless, sterile endeavor. It does not provide for the soul. It does not have a moral component to it any longer, other than, okay, I'm not going to, uh, I won't steal. And yeah, I respect your private property somewhat. Even that is no longer true. My private property is being confiscated right now so it can be transferred into the hands of people that haven't earned it. Other than by virtue of their, or sorry, not virtue, by the fact of their affiliation with a defense contractor that's building bombs right now to drop on unsuspecting innocent people in the third world. Is that a proper use of, quote, capital, close quote? Is selling weapons and, and warplanes to the Saudi Arabians so they can bomb civilians in Yemen, cause the largest cholera epidemic in the history of the human race? Is that, a, is, is that what your precious capitalism and your defense contractors, is, is that what it produces? Do you have an answer for that? Do you, do, do you even care? Do you even consider the question? No, you haven't. Why? Because you're out there waving your MAGA flag and their defense contractors, and they're beside they're defending us. Them people over there in Yemen shouldn't have been them damn Muslims. I saw a picture of them people. They's brown. Bomb them. Oh, but you're a pro-life Christian too, aren't you, sir? Sure you are. These are serious considerations, folks. Now look, I'm under no delusion that anyone gets anything or that, that we get anything other than among those that are already rabid or avid listeners that his show in talking about this stuff. <clears throat> Which is why we try to keep it as entertaining as possible, but that doesn't mean this shouldn't be talked about. If we have an ultimate purpose and our ultimate purpose is the four final things, death, judgment, heaven, hell, and if we don't want to wind up on the wrong side of the four final things, then the only reason that we're here and the only thing that matters to our existence here is the third one, heaven, judgment, holy death, blessed eternity. There's nothing in this economic system that contributes to that. Nothing. Nothing that can't be used or utilized or made useful in another system. And that system doesn't have to be <laughs> one of our making. You know, if you just had vocations again, if families remained intact and there were uh, the pursuit of vocations, yes, even including electronic ones, You'd have a far different world than the one that we have today. Where'd you get that apron? Where'd you, is that a hog's apron? 
I like big butts and I cannot lie. Well, yesterday, Ms. O'Connell, you were posting pictures of your 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 pig shoes, your pig sneakers. That you're going to wear at Hogs this year. <clears throat> Anyways, back to uh, Michael Warren Davis. A handful of traditionalist thinkers have made similar appeals. Russell Kirk, no en enemy of competitive enterprise, warned against those zealots who, quote, instruct us that the test of the market is the whole of political economy and of morals and assure us that great corporations can do no wrong, close quote. Likewise, Sir Roger Scruton told an interviewer, quote, the conservative position is rooted in cultural rather than economic factors and that the single-minded pursuit of competitive markets is just as much a threat to social order as the single-minded pursuit of equality, close quote. Schumacher, Kirk, and Scruton are philosophers, not wonks. They can't be expected to manage both theory and praxis. That means implementation or use. Yet generations of center-right commentators, think-tankers, and legislators refuse to take their insights under consideration, much less turn them into actionable policy. How many times have we talked about this on this show right here? How many times? That the entire system is corrupt and infected with this Marrakanism and this secular materialism, which at its heart... And look, I know nobody wants to hear this. Certainly no one wants to admit this. At its heart, at its core, it is Marxist. It's Marxist. They're uh, these legislators, they're happy to borrow Kirk's and Scruton's intellectual currency and even to appropriate the word Conservative, but they refuse to compromise their fundamental, their fundamentally materialist libertarian world view. Boy, howdy, yes, and thank you. Now, maybe that someone else has written this, and it's not me. Someone else might read and go, "I wonder if there's any radio shows that talk about this kind of stuff." Uh. Yeah. As a matter of fact, I tweeted to Mr. Davis earlier today, and he uh, liked my tweet. I've not heard anything else, but I planted the bug. Maybe if the rest of you tweet the story, I'll go like, Hey, Lama, Mike Church talked about you for an entire hour today. You know, maybe we might crack out of this self-imposed regulatory shell that we're in, you know, here on the Crusade Channel. Uh, uh, by the way, I am the inventor and purgatory and sufferer of the greatest glass ceiling ever invented in the history of man. It's called the Crusade Channel. <laughs> I've been banging my head against it for 28 months now. And were it not for you listening right now, the, the enterprise already would have failed. Certainly anyone that would look at our, at, at our books and go like, you guys aren't growing your, uh, you know, I mean, your base is growing a little bit, but you can't survive on four, 3% or 4%, dude. Well, I don't know how, sir, but it just keeps happening. <laughs> For some reason, the lights keep, the bike bills keep getting paid. We can't buy listeners. People can't force their relatives to install the app on the phone and to listen to the radio shows or the news or anything, but 
Somehow, the greatest glass ceiling in the history of glass ceilings prevails, but it has not prevailed to kill it just yet. I think that we are a representative of the kind of economics that Mr. Davis is writing about here. But that's just me. Uh, back to the uh, scrapping economics and starting over piece at the American Conservative Magazine, which, by the way, I write about this today at MikeChurch.com in today's pile of prep. It's on the front page. We should also, we should point out also that, that all three remain popular with huge swaths of the center-right base. Every publication that calls itself conservative is eager to carry Scruton's writings, as they were Kirk's, even if they completely ignore both men's trenchant criticisms of the mainstream right. The traditionalist wing has always been sorely underrepresented in the conservative movement's halls of power. Boy, howdy. Now we are paying the price. Principled conservatives, and he puts a trademark after it. It's a conservative. I like that. Endlessly bemoan the economic illiteracy, illiteracy of the base, but are deaf to their complaints that market fundamentalism is soulless and inhumane. How many opportunities have we had to forge an authentically conservative economics, one that accounts for both our material and our spiritual needs, yet we've squandered every single one of them, and we're squandering another one right now under the Trump administration? That's me saying that. So one may be alarmed that right-of-center voters are replacing the road to serfdom with the art of the deal on their bedside tables. But we shouldn't act so surprised. Schumacher's suspicion could soon be realized. We may have to scrap economics altogether and begin again. Wow. If so, we should start with Schumacher. Then go to Scruton's The Meaning of Conservatism with its careful and constructive criticisms of the Thatcher government, all of which, to some extent, have been applicable to the GOP since Reagan's ascendancy. Then read Russell Kirk's Economics, Work, and Prosperity. It's an excellent synthesis of the material and spiritual imperatives necessary for human flourishing, competition, and community. Uh, I might also suggest download, download and listen to episodes two, four, six, and eight of the Piercing Truth at CrusadeChannel.com. Download and listen to episodes two, four, six, and eight of the Piercing Truth Economics as if Families Matter at CrusadeChannel.com. Download and listen to episodes two, four, six, and eight to the Piercing Truth Economics as if Families Matter at crusadechannel.com. Better church, what? Because you don't. Because we produce the stuff and it just sits there. That's great radio, by the way. And Pierce, Pierce's arguments and our discussions about this will actually give you ammo if you'll just go and download the damn thing and listen to it. They actually give you ammo 
and inspire you in your own creative process, because it inspires me when I get to talk to him about it, to think differently about these things. And I would say more correctly from the Christian point of view, from the Catholic point of view. You're going to come out of those, uh, those, those discussions thinking, wow, I never thought of it that way. And Joseph is going to put things, especially the, 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 the things about scale and about human interaction, that if they're not a part of any economic system, well, then an economic system sucks. It stinks. It's for inhumane beasts and robots like Jeff Bezos and all those at the top of the chain. Look, those people aren't going away anytime soon. And if you keep buying from them, you're making them gods. You're assisting in the process. And then uh, Michael Davis, is the U.S. editor of the Catholic Herald, concludes, then widely read, then, then, then read widely from the forgotten classics. Hey, Alama, hey, Davis, you forgot Joseph Pierce's. Small is still beautiful. Small is still beautiful. Then read widely from the forgotten classics of traditionalist economics. Don't discount anything just because it doesn't seem immediately relevant. Their insights are still strikingly fresh. For instance, as Louis de Bonnold uh, warned in 1802, modern administrators concerned to promote mechanical inventions that make man's work easier and more productive do not clearly perceive that the more machines there are to replace men, the more men there will be in society who are nothing but machines. All of these uh, final books, however dated, obscure, or fanciful they may seem, are worth revisiting. Before we forge ahead, we must acquire a sense of what we've lost. Now, I would also suggest, of course, you people don't pay attention to me. <laughs> So I'm going to suggest to the Three Stooges cutout over there that if you want a real education on this, you get Pierce's book, get Schumacher's book. Uh, Chesterton has too many things worth mentioning that you could read about this. Hilaire Balak has too many things that I could possibly mention that you could read about this. Also, download and listen to Brother Francis Malouf's uh, lecture series on ethics. It's part of the Philosophia Perennis series. Uh, I don't remember how many lectures it is, but if you listen to the ethics series, now I think you should listen to all eight Philosophia Perennis anyways. But again, who am I? I can suggest all I want. Uh, but if you uh, get the um, ethics series, you're going to hear things about ethical behavior that I guarantee you you've never heard before. <laughs> As a matter of fact, you'll hear things about ethics like, how is it that when your wife is cooking dinner, she is acting ethically? Been a church plate. She's being a mob. She's also acting ethically. And there's a way to understand that. Did you go like, well, well like, yeah, I guess she is, isn't she? Well, yeah, she is. She be. Okay, our telephone number, if you'd like to call the program, we do have phones here, 844-527-8723. Uh, 
Had Denise not called the show earlier today, I would swear that it actually has not gone out over the broadcast airways. But since she did, we have a little bit of a confirmation. Uh, moving on. Oh, by the way, somebody uh, had shared this. That the musical, music, musically.ly... That the dot .ly means that the uh, URL is registered to someone in Libya. So, this super kid suicide porn site that your 10-year-old wants to download the app for is just that. It's a Libyan suicide porn site. It's going to corrupt their little souls. Listen to the first hour of the program today, and you can get it incomplete. Hey, again, if you're a Founders Pass member, you have access to download that free of charge as part of your membership. You could go sign up today at crusadechannel.com, or you could upgrade your membership to a founding brother level, and those Joseph Pierce uh, episodes that I was talking about earlier would be yours for free in the on-demand store. This is interesting. Prayer shaming, a new front in the culture war. Uh, by the by... Today's Veritas at uh, Sapientia is taken from James Madison's report of 1800. Let me just do this for a minute. I'll come back to the prayer shaming. Jeff Sessions, the Attorney General of the United States, uh, went out to Sacramento, California yesterday, gave a big hoop-de-doo speech about immigration and about how Californiaans, land of fruits and nuts, are not doing what El Electo, El Presidente, President Trump told him, told them to do. And are violating U.S. immigration policy and law. How dare they? We all know that, citizen, you will obey your federal overlords. Citizens of California, you will obey. We all know the Bill O'Reilly position and the Fox News position on the Constitution, right? It doesn't matter what it is. If it's the location of an In-N-Out burger, the federal government is supreme because of the Supremacy Clause and because Bill O'Reilly and who killed the Constitution said so, or in killing Constitution said so. Uh, With an assist now from Tucker Carlson and all the other alleged constitutional experts on the Fox News channel, everybody knows that wherever there is a conflict... The federal government, as Mitt Romney would say, always wins, right? States have no rights. People certainly have no rights. Communities are affected by these things. Uh, For sure have no rights. So get over yourself and do as you are told, citizen. So then we have this story. Jeff is from the New York Times. Jeff Sessions scolds California in immigration speech. We have a problem. He said, California and the Trump administration have locked arms from the very first hours of Donald J. Trump's presidency, we read. But a visit by Attorney General Jeff Sessions to the California capital, Sacramento. By the way, named after what? What is Sacramento? Come on, you could guess this. Sacrament. <laughs> the gift to the Californians. Sacrament. 
What was the gift that the natives in California got when the Dominicans and the Augustinians and the Franciscans went there? They got the gift of the faith. You know, we had a, a caller earlier. Denise said uh, her daughter gave her virginity away to some clown that she said she loved. She gave it to him. Well, you know, God gives us the Catholic faith. What does more than half the Christian world say? Eh, hey, I don't want it. Nah, man, I'm my own pope. I don't need him. No, he didn't. No, no, he didn't. He didn't. He didn't. He didn't give us. No, he didn't give us a, that church. No, no, no. That's a corrupt, man-made institution. Oh, and yours isn't. <laughs> the greatest laugh in the history of man. Oh, but you is Pope Josephus. You're, that's that's not a man-made right. The greatest gift we are given in life is the faith. And what does faith give us? Chance at a blessed holy de- holy death, blessed eternity. That's what we get. There can be no greater gift. Someone says, uh, why are you doing what you do today? Why don't you do why, How come did, how, you used to do the kind of, you used to do history. Now you're just wasting your time, whole career. See, what greater service could I and anyone that's on the Crusade Channel possibly render to another human being than to crusade for their conversion? To inform them that, hey, there is a cure for the fall. <laughs> I can cure, well, not I, but there is a cure for what ails every human ever born. And it came to us in the form of a gift. <clears throat> but I digress. Better church, please. Uh, So Sessions goes to Sacramento, and he says, and Mr. Sessions told a crowd of more than 200 law enforcement, oh, it uh, in a hotel ballroom that he would not stand, he would not stand for the insubordination of California lawmakers what he, and what he called the dangerous obstruction of federal immigration laws. Again, California citizens, you will obey your federal Trump overlords. Isn't it amazing? that the Fox News talk radio mafia contingent is hell-bent on insisting that California be made to pay for acting all Republican with a lowercase r. Bet you didn't see that one coming, didn't you? Did you? Old listeners of the Mike Church Show. Never saw that one coming, did you? You're in a gang with Trump magas because you despise Mexicans so. Well, there's lawbreakers that came in and took our jobs. Well, you know what? If you live in California and they took your job, then uh, and you can't get it back because they've taken it or they've uh, made it impossible for you to compete with them, et cetera, et cetera, and the California legislature won't deal with it, Ultimately, this will correct itself, number one. Uh, if it doesn't correct itself, a dictator will come in and will correct it, number two. Or number three, by virtue of the fact that people moved away from it, left it, and went to places where they didn't have to deal with this set of circumstances, then they corrected it themselves. But it doesn't have to be that way. You know, some people say, but Middle Church is their land. Look, dude, I get it. I'm on their side. 
You wanted democracy? You wanted a king, Governor Moonbeam? You got him. You, you, you got democracy now. You, you don't have the votes to vote it out. The state's not going to split up into constituent parts, although I believe once it gets overrun enough with those south of the border, former Catholics, Mexicans who are no longer of the faith, there will be internecine wars just like there are in Mexico. Anarchy and socialism will rear their ugly heads. There'll be no force on earth that can put it down. And California's done. It's cooked. California can do one thing to return to where it was. It can go back to the faith. Simple as that. The faithful can start praying rosaries for an end to this madness here. You know, here's the ironic thing. Those Mexicans that you say are savages and boot beasts and brutes and are less than human and rapists and all that, those people will actually convert to Catholicism. You know how I know this? Because their bloodthirsty cannibalistic ancestors did. When they saw Our Lady of Guadalupe, they converted. They were baptized, tens of millions of them. So don't tell me that there's not another solution to this. You just don't like the solution. Oh, yeah, but, uh, but better church, please. We don't want to live in the same state with converted Mexicans. Oh, so you do have a race problem. Oh, ho, ho. No, man, we's not racist. We just, uh, you know, uh, we MAGA. No, you're a racist. And there's no room for that in the faith, by the way. <clears throat> well, let me deal with your constitutional problem here in California, if you'd like. That's right, Mrs. Linscombe. A Catholic community won't work without a priest. I'll go you one better, Mrs. Linscombe. It won't work without an order. You gotta have a monastery nearby. That's how the faith spread and took its roots and was uh, was immovable in Europe. Saint Benedict, the first of the Western monastics. You know, as a matter of fact, Brother Andre Marie did that up. Uh, can you Google search that for me? Uh, Brother Andre Marie did an episode of Reconquest on St. Benedict and, and the monastic life. It's one of the early episodes. He talked about this, that without the monasteries, there wouldn't have been a Europe. <clears throat> you had to have a stable place to form a community around. So a monastery, nunnery, whatever, a convent, whatever you want to call it, makes sense. And by the by, there is uh, there, there are several of them. There's one in uh, St. Mary's, uh, Kansas, I believe. There's one in uh, Clear Creek Abbey in Oklahoma. There's one in Richmond, New Hampshire, the St. Benedict Center. They're, they are out there. <clears throat> but that's what you have. I think that's what you have to have at the center. You need a religious order. Uh, that way you'll always have a priest. You'll have people in religious development uh, at all times. Um, that's how you would form a school. Because the sisters, brothers, teach at the school. Uh, it's the bedrock of the community. It really is. And, that, and, that, and that's why it worked. But then again, better church, please. This is a 21st century. Nobody's going to do Well, then don't do it, dude. I didn't tell you you had to do it. Why are you so angry? Now, back to your constitutional problem in California. Now, I think you have a faith problem. You've told everyone that you're going to kill as many babies as you can. That's a faith problem. You've told everyone that you're going to marry as many sodomites or other sodomites as you can. That's a faith problem. You've told everyone that you're not going to prosecute those that steal. That's against the commandment. That's a faith problem. You told everyone, and you were one of the first ones to do it, that you wanted no-fault divorce, and you have it now. That's a faith problem. 
That's not an economic problem. That's not a Mexican problem. That's a faith problem. You don't have the faith. Get over yourself and bring the faith back. And by the way, there are pockets in California. As a matter of fact, there's one in Sacramento that has what I'm talking about. And people flock to this area. And they live there now. 844-527-8723 is our call-in line telephone number to talk to me right now. I would love to talk to you. Call me at 844-527-8723. Mr. Sessions told a crowd of more than 200 law enforcement officials in a hotel ballroom that he would not stand for the insubordination of California lawmakers on what he called the dangerous obstruction of federal immigration laws. A 10-minute walk away in a briefing at the state capitol, Governor Moonbeam unleashed a tirade against Sessions and the Trump administration. He said the administration was full of liars and that Mitter Sessions was basically wrong to go to war against the state of California. It was a, a highly unusual for an attorney general to come out here and engage in a political stunt make wild accusations, many of which are based on outright lies. Uh, Governor Moonbeam, that's because you will obey your federal overlords, California citizens. It's about power, bro. It's about power. Warning that California's liberal politicians were endangering the state citizens and obstructing federal law Mitter Sessions announced Wednesday that the Trump administration was suing the state over laws devised to make it more difficult for federal immigration agents to operate there. Sessions described the state's so-called sanctuary laws as a radical maneuver that would threaten public safety and throw open the nation's borders to even more illegal immigration. Again, there is no nation. There is a union of states. You're a perversion of the federal sense uh, uh, of the federal system mr sessions you're not the solution as much as i'd like to think that you are and i actually think in this instance the trump administration is wrong and i do not believe that the federales ought to have the final say on who lives in what state that's a decision a community has to make. That's not a decision a legislative body can make for a group of people. How would you like it if a legislative body told you, uh, by the way, I know you got a four-bedroom uh, four house there, and since your kids have moved away, we're going to send three, uh, three families in there to live in the vacant three bedrooms. No, you can't do that. Yes, we can. No, nah, man, I, uh, don't no nah, man me. Citizen, you will obey your household overlords. You'll do what we tell you. People go like, that did ridiculous. Is it? The feds don't own the state of California. Again, this is tyrannical madness here. Now, here's what Session says that really gets me. Immigration, listen, quote, immigration law is in the books and its purposes are clear and just. Okay, two things. 
clear, meaning we can understand them, just, meaning they are justified. How do you know that, Mr. Sessions? A justified law would be one that would bring justice, right? I'll continue just for the moment. Immigration law, quote, immigration laws in the books and its purposes are clear and just. There is no nullification. There is no secession. Federal law is the supreme law of the land, close quote. Would you like to hear that with the reverb? Immigration laws in the books and its purposes are clear and just, citizen. There is no nullification. There is no secession, citizen. Federal law is the supreme law of the land. Is it now? Now let me acquaint you with the question of alien friends and alien enemies. Some people are going like, Oh, no, not this again. Mitter Church, please spare us. No. Yes. Now, I had this worded because it was written two years ago for a different situation, but it wor- it works the exact same way. On, on my website at MikeChurch.com, Veritas et Sapientia, Muslims can be classified as alien friends. Thus, Virginia does not have to import them, James Madison. Now, Let me reword this. Uh, uh, Mexicans can be classified as alien friends. Thus, the state of California has the right to import them. Signed, James Madison. Now, where do I get that from? Miniature, that just not. The Trump people are going to leave. Trump people left a long time ago. Now, the question that we ought to ask here is, is that correct? Is that true? And if it is true, why would Madison say such a thing? Based on what? Okay, what's a pretty brief explanation, actually. Uh, Maybe I'd share it with you. James Madison, quote, The distinction between alien enemies and alien friends is a clear and conclusive answer to this argument. Alien enemies are under the law of nations and liable to be punished for offenses against it. Alien friends, except in the single case of public ministers, are under the municipal law and must be tried and punished according to that law only. Now, what if you don't understand that, what, what's he saying? Okay, so an alien enemy, basically you declared a war. Let's just say we are at war with Mexico, a, a, a ground war. Congress declared the war, shooting's going on, body bags coming back, America's star-spangled also, we're probably winning. But there's a war. Congress would then make the citizens of Mexico enemies of the United States. Uh, if there were any Mexican citizens in the United States, they would be politely asked to leave uh, and if they wouldn't leave, then, you know, you had the internment camps for the Japanese back in the, the 1940s. You know the end result. People still say to this day, Mitter Church, please, those internment camps were, dude, it was, it was under a declaration of war. Was it an abuse uh, of human rights? Uh, I'd say that a careful study of the issue 
might say, okay, well, what was the answer? If they were of Japanese descent, recent Japanese descent, why wouldn't they be on the empire side? There's, there is a grain of common sense to this, not pure, unadulterated racism and alien friend, alien enemy policy. But then again, nobody asked me. They never do. Back to little Jimmy Madison. So he says that the alien friend then is under the municipal law. Okay, what's the municipal law? Is that the law of Congress? No, it is not. What is the municipal law then? The municipal law is the law of where, it, where you live, your local yokel law, maybe as high up as your state law. That's the municipal law. That is the law that you actually live under. Federal law only pertains to matters dealing with the states and the union. The municipal law deals with the day-to-day -day and everything else, which is why it is so preposterous that there ought to be any federal involvement whatsoever in law enforcement. That is completely and wholly and totally a matter for the municipal authorities. End of story, case closed, shut up and don't argue. That's the way it ought to be. And by the way, it produces better results at less expense. Okay, so we've established a couple of things here. Now, now back to little Jimmy Madison. Again, alien friends, alien enemies. Is California at a state of war with Mexico? No, they are not. Is the United States at a war with Mexico? The sovereign nation of Mexico? No, we are not. Therefore, if California wants to make friends with Mexican citizens, are they allowed to under alien friend policy? Or, or, or under as the law of nations would have understood it at the time of little Jimmy Madison? Yes, they could have. And they should be able to today. I, I always give the example of this. Say you were having a soccer tournament, right? Soccer tournament. Let's put it in a MAGA state. You know, the state of Georgia, for example. We're all MAGA. No, South Carolina, where there's wall-to-wall -wall bigots and wall-to-wall -wall military mentality and bomb everyone back into the Stone Ages. And uh, let's throw in a dose and a dash or two of heresy while we're at it, shall we? South Carolina, we love making some palmetto apostates. Let's use South Carolina. There's a soccer tournament. Ooh, they call it the first annual Charleston, South Carolina International Soccer Tournament. Ooh, that's interesting. Yes, it is, isn't it? South Carolina has invited soccer teams from all around the world to compete in the first annual Charleston, South Carolina International Soccer Tournament. Are you with me so far? Now, if I said anything that sounds ridiculous, does that sound preposterous? Does that sound out of the... You, they may have even had this thing. For all I know, does it sound like it couldn't happen? Made a charge plea. That just... What's the point? So South Carolina invites team from Great Britain. Check. Everybody's fat and happy. They invite a team from France. Check. Everybody's fat and happy. They invite a team from Argentina. Check. Everybody's fat and happy. They invite a team, wait for it, from Mexico. Nobody objects. It's a soccer team after all. Check. Everybody's fat and happy. Well, they're going to, to get to South Carolina. Let's pretend for just a moment that there is an international airport in South Carolina. 
Players don't need to fly to Atlanta and bus in. Actually fly to Rock Hill or Charleston. Now, plane lands from Mexico City in Charleston. The soccer team gets off. The mayor of Charleston is there with a wreath and a key to the city. Welcome to our soccer tournament. What did they just make the soccer team? An alien friend. Now, does it sound like that's the business of Congress? Does it? No, it doesn't. Okay, well, take the soccer uniforms off. Have them fly from Mexico City to San Francisco or drive or however and have Jerry Brown greet them at the airport and say, hi, welcome to California. Yeah, but Mr. Church, they had to cross the border. Hey, they flew across the border. They had to cross whose border? Oh, that's right. You're a MAGA wacko. You think that the federal government owns the border between California and Mexico. Oh, and you're, but you're a small, limited government, aren't you? No, you're not. You're a fraud. You're a maleducated fake. The people of California own that border. It's their damn state. It's not yours. Yeah, but how, what, what if they want to come in from here? What if they sneak across California and Arizona? That's my problem. Then deal with it. Pass your own laws and kick them out. Oh, we're not allowed to do that. That's right. I forgot. We don't have a federal system anymore. Thank you very much for playing our game. The class is over. Class dismissed. So what just happened here? This is alien friend policy. It's how the freaking world works. When Reagan and I went to Scotland for that golf tournament, they welcomed us in. Hey, greet us at the airport. I had to go through customs, but hey, the Scottish people were nice. We were alien friends. Now, let's just say for a moment that, yeah, but Mitter Church, they want to live there. Okay, again, who ought to be making the policy of whether or not they can become a citizen of the state of California? California! Now, the next question is, but what about making them citizens of MAGA America? Well, that's a different question. And I believe the Constitution says that a uniform rule of naturalization would apply. Now, note you're naturalizing someone. They're not in your state as an alien friend. You're then talking about citizenship, which is why this DREAM Act nonsense is just that. It's, I almost said the F word, it's freaking nonsense. It's flipping nonsense. <clears throat> Madison. This argument also, by referring the Alien Act to the power of Congress to define and punish offenses against the law of nations, yields the point that the act is of a penal, not merely of a preventative operation. It must, in truth, be so considered. And if it be a penal act, the punishment it inflicts must be justified by some offense that deserves it. Offenses for which aliens within the jurisdiction of a country are punishable are first offenses committed by the nation of which they make a part and in which offenses they are involved. Secondly, offenses committed by themselves alone without any charge against the nation to which they belong. 
The first is the case of alien enemies. In other words, someone from another country goes into California, a Mexican, and tries to start a shooting war on behalf of the government of Mexico. Now you got an alien enemy case. Now, if they go in and shoot California up because they're deranged, that's not an alien enemy case. And then he goes on to explain more. Uh, Nor is the act of Congress for the removal of alien friends more agreeable to the general practice of nations than than it is within the purview of the law of nations. By the way, the Polish are treating the refugees as alien enemies under the law of nations. They're, they're saying these are people that are refugees from acts of war. They are covered under the law of nations. Our law says we do not have to admit them. I don't, we don't care what the EU says, and we're not going to admit. They're basically using Madison's argument in Poland and in Hungary, and now they want to, uh, the, many people in France want to, want to start using it uh, uh, in France as well. So don't tell me it's still not in effect because that's what they're basically calling upon. And that's all California is doing. We should want California to get away with it. I hope they do get away with it. I also hope they leave the union. They're weirdos and wackos anyways. And let the revolution begin in earnest here. And when you see when they see the tyranny and anarchy that they're going to be possessed with, maybe then maybe it'll dawn on them that it wasn't law and it wasn't agriculture or any of those other things and it wasn't being nice and it wasn't being sincere and all this other trash talk. They were actually missing the faith. They're missing what civilized them and to not attempt to get that back is a grave mistake. And California is ultimately going to be held to judgment for it, just like the rest of us are going to be held to judgment for aborting 56 million babies legally. Heaven knows how many hundreds of millions we've killed through contraception and through chemical abortions and every other Hades forsaken act. We're not going to escape judgment. Just another reason why alien friends, alien enemies policy ought to be, the, ought to be on the hearts and minds and tongues of every person in every state as a way to reclaim some sort of sane federalism. Uh, Okay. I have a surprise for you people at the end of the program today. So we uh, tried this experiment with the news at noon. And we gave you an entire hour of Eastern Time news at noon, an entire hour of Central Time news at noon. And it took Middish Young Blood, heaven knows how many hours per day to produce her part. It took me hours to produce and to do my part, to give it a go. Um, uh, it was an awful lot of extra work. It didn't seem like it was catching on, but it was catching up. With mid is young blood, which is understandable because it was an enormous amount of work and toil that was put into that. Everybody give her a round of applause. So the era of the new news for now, I fully intend to bring it back someday, is over. Let the now era of the noon Eastern and noon Central Time Barrett brief begin so the host of the bear breed Rick barrett is on the skype maker hotline with us and we'll talk a little bit about this 
Mr. Uh, Mr. Barrett, first of all, uh, our apologies and condolences to you for uh, being saddled with this uh, with this task. How are you? <laughs> well, howdy and now good morning, Mr. Mr. Church. Oh, uh, I gladly accept this on, uh, this on, responsibility. I can hear you now. All right. So how are you? I am fantastic, and I more than happily accept the responsibility. <laughs> it's not really a responsibility so much as it is a sentence. <laughs> well, we all got to go somehow, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so uh, the sentence is, he, he, he's decided that he's going to discharge the sentence. So thank you very much. Um, you are actually going to expand this uh, to two hours on Monday, and you have a very special announcement of who your first guest is going to be. Absolutely. Um, after a little bit of, of playing cat and mouse or however you want to call it, I was able to confirm that Lizzie Rize, if that's the way her name is pronounced, I should actually look it up. Uh, the girl who is on YouTube who made a big splash when she converted from Protestantism to Catholicism, she's going to join me on Monday at noon. Uh Central Time, and we're going to talk about how she's done with her conversion. She's actually had a, she added another video in the last couple of days about Mary, the Holy Mother. Really? I'm going to talk about that. Yep. And uh, we're just going to welcome her in and, and welcome her to the faith and, and kind of just talk about it. And uh, all this will occur from uh, Central Time, 11 to 1, Eastern Time, noon to 2, right here on the Crusade Channel. So the Barrett Brief moving uh, to replace the noon news, uh, which uh, one less thing for me to do, but uh, one more uh, skip ahead for you, kind sir, who uh, did all this uh, as, as a volunteer and, as they say, uh, on a wing and a prayer. So uh, I, 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 I kind of congratulate you. <laughs> you sur hey, you survived the test, right? Exactly. Which part of this? Is this like the Indiana Jones uh, in the Last Crusade? Did I get past uh, the first one? <laughs> the Penitent Man? Yeah, you know, the Penitent Man is always on his knees and uh, the rest of that, right? So, you yep. know, if you want to be the Penitent Man, then, you know, you have to, uh, you, you got to be looking out for the uh, for the, the, the whirling blade that's coming to cut your head off. Uh, now, there are no <laughs> whirling blades around here. There is just a audience that has to be roused into action. Which, uh, we never had a show that went live. We never had a show that went live uh, close to immediately following this one. Uh, the closest we ever came was an occasional noon uh, episode of the, um, of the True Money Show. But that would only be one day a week, uh, or one, you know, one, one, one day per week. Um, uh, so, so this has not really been tried especially not for two hours. So uh, I w we will all be fascinated in, uh, uh, to see whether or not the audience that shows up every morning to listen to me, uh, well, you know, they get about an hour and a half of me, and then they decide they've heard enough. <laughs> you, can, you can look at the Millennial Force roller coaster on any of our listening graphs, and if you live near Sandusky, Ohio, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, the Millennial Force roller coaster is the Crusade Channel meager listening audience as it is. 
But it starts off at uh, nothing at 3 a.m., 4 a.m., 5 a.m. They go, well, then you go up the ginormous hill. You get to the top at about 8 a.m., and then it begins its 383-foot uh, plunge right back down to from whence it came. So uh, we're hoping to flatten that line out and to make that less of a thrill ride and uh, maybe more of a Ferris wheel type attraction. And maybe Mitter Richard Barrett is just the man for the job. So you told me that your show actually conforms better to two hours than one. So... Why is now, now? So how are you squeezing one and uh, one and uh, uh, two into one? And how are you going to expand one into two? Well, um, the easiest thing to say is the new format that I've come up with, where I go through the headlines. Yep. And uh, for the first part, I've only, I've been tracking myself at about two minutes. Okay. Uh, and then I move on. I can, and a lot of the time, actually, yesterday was a good example. I stuck on one subject for almost three to five minutes. And I can easily do that for all for all ten of the hot of the uh, the main topics of the day or the morning in this case. So that's easily pushes out to fifty minutes to an hour. Uh, second hour, uh, once we have the myriad of phone calls, I'll have to bat away and and answer and, and talk about. <laughs> and as you see, injects humor in there as well. <laughs> um, <laughs> You're funny. <laughs> you do know well, we'll this is everything, Mr. Church. You you do know this is the Crusade Channel, and uh, you know what? I I'm gonna see if I can find a Three Stooges cutout of eBay. I'll buy one and send it to you, so we can have twin uh, Three Stooges cutouts. Uh, I I I I so look forward to hearing someone else talk to a cardboard cutout. I no, I'm kidding. But, Good luck uh, with that. Hours. The second hour is pretty good, too, because the second hour can be um, the brass tacks where I can even go more in depth on a subject of the yep. day. Mm -hmm. And then Grit and Barrett. And then I have different segments towards the end. Why you should prep Wednesday, Twitter Thursday, things like that. And then, of course, every show ends with You Gotta Be Kidding Me. So I love that you got to be like kidding me. You just can't shut up sometimes. It actually <laughs> helps to go to two hours. I love that you got to be kidding me. Those are a fan. As a matter of fact, they should be little features on the uh, on the site at crusadechannel.com. All right. And uh, all serialness, uh, a cheerio to you. Uh, thank you very much. We'll look forward to hearing you in just about an hour. Congratulations or condolences, depending on whose side you're on. And mm. uh, welcome aboard, sister, brother. All right. Thank you, Mr. Church. You're very welcome. Thank you. Folks, that is all the time that we have for today here on the uh, Crusade Channel. And uh, as I said, uh, we are welcoming Mr. Uh, Mitter Barrett Brief to the, to the lineup in just about an hour. The news is coming up next. Rebroadcast of my first hour. Now, I ask you again. We've got great bid items. Wine. Everybody likes wine. Phil Mickelson autograph Masters flags. Come on, everybody loves Phil. Uh, you can join the Barbacoa Brotherhood and get one of my Barbacoa Brotherhood lapel pins at barbacoabrotherhood.com. Then, of course, there is our store, mikechurch.com forward slash shop, and the Crusade Channel on demand store and membership service at crusadechannel.com. May God bless you and Mary keep you. Thank you.